Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day, all the way from the wastelands of California. My name is Michael, and I'll be your designated driver this evening. I look forward to once again serve you those sounds of salvation. First time listeners, turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a very different kind of show, a place where we don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you. For your curiosity, live and direct right now on YouTube and the TuneIn Radio app. You can also find the podcast rendition of this program by searching End of Days or simply Michael Deacon. Joining me tonight on this very special edition of Michael Deacon and Friends, the professor has returned back by popular demand. Dr. James Fetzer is live and in the building. He is the author of multiple books that you can find over at moonrockbooks.com. He has researched extensively on a magnitude of subjects throughout the years. And on the second half of the program, Mike Hideous. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. Thank you to those in America for supporting the program and also those outside of America. Holy hell, what a week it's been, boys and girls. Just when I thought things would be normal, I couldn't have been any more wrong. Rest in peace to Jeffrey Epstein. Our hearts and prayers go out to his family and friends. What a great guy. Suicide is the new black, ladies and gentlemen. My goodness. Now, before I get carried away, I do want to invite all of you to call in if you'd like. That number is 760-332-8724. One more time, 760-332-8724. Now, finally, let's get down 
to brass tacks now and bring in our guest. Hold on. Jim, are you, are you alive out there, Jim? Oh no, we're having some weird echo. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm here, Michael. Can you hear me? Okay. Oh, loud and clear now. Finally, that echo is gone. Good, good, good. Yeah. How are you, Jim? It's been a while since we last talked. Fine. Actually, there have been a couple of developments of significance, not that we need to dwell upon them, but I've secured uh, uh, legal representation with an excellent law firm right here in Madison. Oh, okay. Very nice. I'm glad that you found a representative there for you. Yeah, and it's right in the wake of this uh, uh, absurd decision by the appeals court to decline to review the case when, in fact, the arguments for review were, in my opinion, simply overwhelming because the judge had made a decision based on a summary uh, on a summary judgment uh, where that's only permissible if there are no disputed facts. But even the most basic issue in this case, the authenticity of the death certificate over which I was being sued for describing as a fabrication, right. remained in dispute. It turns out that it's the law in Connecticut that not even a parent can have an, an uncertified death certificate, and this was an uncertified death certificate. I thought that would seal the deal right there. But in addition, I had obtained the research, the evaluation of two document experts, both of whom had concluded not only was that death certificate of fabrication, but three others that had surfaced in the course of the case were also fabrications, so that, in fact, the judge was only enabling himself to move forward with a decision in favor of the plaintiff by setting aside the expert document examiners as just opinions, Mm. as though all opinions were on a par. And as though there were no disputed issues. So, Michael, I thought the case was very clear cut for the appeals court to rule. But nevertheless, they declined. Uh, But that's the bad news. The good is I have a really excellent attorney now with a major firm in Madison. And I expect this is going to make a real difference before the plaintiffs, three different law firms allied against me. And my co-defendant, Mike Palachek, have had what you might call a legal free fire zone because not being attorneys ourselves, we were unfamiliar with the nuances of the law. I believe that has now changed. And indeed, when my new attorney sought to contact the plaintiff's attorney, who normally has been available at the drop of the hat, he was suddenly unavailable for a week. I think they're having to regroup and reconsider how they're going to proceed now, given that I have legal representation. My goodness, it sounds like a mess, Jim. Well, it is, but they took their best shot. They got this uh, this ruling, and I published quite a bit about it on my blog. In right. fact, it's been picked up by a number of other very astute thinkers, including Carl Herman, who published a piece about a, a, a show trial where the, the judge uh, did not allow the jury to determine uh, the undisputed facts, which he's actually required to do but had not. And in addition to Carl Herman laying out the details of the case, Paul Craig Roberts, whom I regard as our nation's leading public intellectual, published a piece entitled, Do You Remember the Sandy Hook School Shooting?, in which he picked up on the same theme. He actually cites Carl Herman's article. You can find that a number of places, including The Truth Seeker and, of course, on his own blog, but Paul Craig Robertson on my blog, jamesfetzer.org. So if you went to my blog and just did a search for Paul Craig Roberts, you'd find it right away. And Or you could search for 
Carl Herman, and you'd find it right away, though Carl Herman has published a couple of other pieces that are directly related to this. I, I, I believe we've turned a corner, and although the appeals court did not respond in an affirmative fashion, I'm given to understand that that will not prejudice their evaluation of the case where the interlocutory appeal is optional by the court, but I have the right to appeal when the case is final. So now Mike Palachuk and I uh, await a jury trial where they're uh, asking for a million dollars in damages for making a true statement about a death certificate and really basing their case on the death certificate that was attached to their complaint which had both state and town certification and had a file number, none of which were true of the death certificate that we discussed in the book, claiming there were no material differences between them, which meant this case was a logical absurdity from the beginning. Yes, my goodness. And before I forget, Jim, uh, welcome back officially to End of Days, the Michael Deacon program. And I believe you've been on the program more times than any other guest. No, I'm delighted, Michael, because I really like you as a host. I think you're wonderful, and I enjoy our programs together. Clockwise, our shows here have been phenomenal. Definitely top talent, boys and girls. It's always an honor and pleasure to have you here, Jim. And, of course, I wanted to ask you if it's okay for people to call in. Are, are you cool with calling sure. today, Jim? Oh, absolutely, 100%. I love callers. Awesome. Well, if anyone out there wants to call in that number is 760-332-8724. One more time, 760-332-8724. Don't be afraid to call in. And if you hear someone on the line, just wait for them to get off and then call in. That way, it's a little bit easier for you to get in here. And of course, Jim is down for the calls tonight, folks. So definitely call in when your little hearts desire. And Jim... My goodness, anytime you are on the program, it seems like some sort of new disaster seems to take place. There's a shooting. Someone gets killed. It's uh, it's insane, Jim. Well, Michael, I think uh, we have to appreciate the events that are transpiring around us in two different respects. First of all, against the background of the presidential campaign for 2020, and second of all, that virtually everything we're hearing about is stage phony and fake. I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable. And that goes from the shootings in El Paso and Dayton and Philadelphia to the alleged suicide of uh, Jeffrey Epstein. I mean, I'm open to discussing all of these. Let me give a little background here to begin with as a form of preface. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the, 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 the collapse of the Russia Gate uh, narrative, uh, where the appearance of Robert Mueller before Congress has proven to be a complete disaster for the Democrats. Uh, everyone, I think, at this point who's been paying attention recognizes Robert Mueller didn't write his own report. He was unfamiliar with important aspects. He'd never heard of Glenn Simpson or Fusion GPS, which were the origin of the whole fabricated case against Trump using the Steele dossier, where Christopher Steele, uh, the former MI6 agent that was hired uh, to write this dossier, uh, stunned the court in London. This is about four months ago now, when he declared that he'd written it as an employee for Hillary Clinton and the Democratic National Committee. In other words, the whole 
uh, uh, Russia hoax was predicated upon a, a fabricated dossier written by an opposition research uh, uh, employee for Hillary Clinton. I mean, it, it's just that blatant. It's just that bad. Let me mention in passing two sources, by the way. I, my latest book, and it's a new a novelty for me, I'm dealing with a, a, a different publisher than Moonrock Books, where I continue to produce heavy volumes, you know, edited collections where I bring together the best experts. As, a, as an alternative, I've just published a 132-page synopsis entitled Exposing the Russia Hoax, which is available as an ebook for $9.95. Now, I recommend the ebook. Uh, but you can also find it more highly priced. I mean, that's, of course, your choice. But I say, I think for nine ninety five that that's a perfectly appropriate expenditure. That's pretty fair. Uh, yeah. It, 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 in, in addition, however, there's this wonderful book by Greg Jarrett entitled The Russia Hoax. It's a much bigger, heavier, copiously documented work that lays out in spades exactly what I've been delineating here, the collusion between corrupt members of the Department of Justice and the FBI acting in concert with Hillary Clinton, political appointees and operatives to to undermine, really to sabotage the candidacy of Donald Trump and eventually undermine the legitimacy of the Trump administration, where Barack Obama appears to have played a crucial role. And it, it will turn out, I think, in the eyes of history that this man was actually a despicable president of the United States, not only for his uh, uh, collusion with other Hillary operatives, where John Brennan, the former head of the CIA, appears to have taken a leading role as well, uh, to subvert democracy. Uh, I mean, if you stop and think about it, uh, uh, Trump ought to have played and replayed a short talk that Obama gave in the Rose Garden where he was explaining that those who think that American elections can be hacked just don't know what they're talking about, that they're so distributed, we don't have a single national election, we have 50 different individual elections, and that really, frankly, this is Obama speaking, it, it's just impossible to rig an American election, meaning to from the outside to interfere. Now, meanwhile, a whole lot was going on to rig the election for Hillary. We had all kinds of uh, phony polls that were being released where the pollsters were deliberately over-polling uh, Democrats and women and self-described liberals. They knew what they were doing. Uh, you had the photoshopping of political events. So, for example, Hillary in Florida at St. Petersburg might draw 300 people, Trump in Boca Raton, 30,000. They would Photoshop the Hillary event to make it look as though she had as big a crowd as the Donald. By the way, Jim, we do have a caller on the line here. Yeah, sure. I, just let me make one more point. Caller, we'll, caller don't hang up, by the way. Hold even, on one even, even Michael Moore anticipated Hillary would lose, pointing out that she'd neglected the Rust Belt states of Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, and Wisconsin, and that turned out to be exactly right, where studies by Boston University and the University of Minnesota have established that it was voters in rural counties in those four states, which had suffered a great many casualties in the Middle East wars, who voted for the Donald in the belief, not in the certainty, in the belief that he was the less likely of the two candidates to continue those wars, and most certainly at the time, that's the way it looked. One of my great uh, concerns about Trump is that 
his foreign policy since his election, including, uh, you know, declaring Jerusalem to be the capital of Israel. Right. Uh, that the Golan Heights are a part of Israel, unfunding the UN uh, Commission agency that provides support for Palestinian refugees. All of those and other actions you've taken indicate that his foreign policy has been to make Israel great again rather than make America great again, which causes me great dismay. We'll talk about that in a moment here. Definitely want to get your take on something that I believe Bernie Sanders mentioned, and I'll, I'll get into that later here. Yes, go ahead with your caller. Uh, caller, go ahead. You are live on the air. Hey, Michael. What's up, buddy? How are you? Good to hear, it's good to hear your voice and good to hear uh, uh, Jim. Jim, it's Frank Bacon. Good to hear you. Terrific. Um, Thank you. About two weeks ago, three weeks ago, Michael had a, a Michael Aquino on, a well-respected, um, you know, um, member of the uh, U.S. Armed Forces, and uh, Aleppo had him on about two weeks later. I wonder if you caught that show, Michael. Uh, no. Okay. I'm well, pretty busy it, nowadays. It great. It's that's fine. It was a great show, and, and they went into some other details that uh, weren't weren't covered originally in your show. And I wondered if uh, Fetzer, I'm. I'm really uh, would be <laughs> I'd be remiss not to let you in on this, but you know Michael Aquino had had it, it basically just covered the bases with 9/11 uh, by saying that it was an Israeli op with um, CIA folk here in uh, America, yes. and we're talking about the number one psyop of, of the United States Army. You know who I'm talking about, right? Well, he's completely correct. Uh, my, I have two books on 9-11. The more recent is entitled America Nuked on 9-11. Many don't realize the destruction of the Twin Towers was no collapse at all. They were blowing apart in every direction from the top down. All the floors remained stationary. Right. The buildings were being There's converted into millions of cubic yards of very fine dust. When it was over, yeah. there was no pile of debris, which ought to have been present to 12% of the original height of 110. There ought to have been 13 and a half floors. Just as with Building 7, which actually did collapse, we had all the floors coming down at the same time, and we had 12% of 47 or five and a half floors. Totally different mechanisms where the U.S. Geological Survey studied dust samples from 35 locations in lower Manhattan and found a host of elements that in their quantities and correlations would not have been present unless this had been a nuclear event. Uh, and, you know, it, it, the subtitle yeah. of the book is Compliments of the CIA, the Neocons and the DOD and the Mossad. So what you're hearing from him is exactly yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah, and 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 for him to be coming out so um, so forthright with it, it is it just as if it's in passing. I happen to feel like it was a great big truth bomb that had just been passed in the night. You know, uh, almost like hand messages, and uh, it's just it's relating to the fact that you know now Epstein's been you know, evacuated <laughs> from from uh, and and the FBI are now here in New Mexico. You know, cutting into his old ranch. So it's I, I think there's some some things that are starting to come out. We're, we're seeing, aren't we seeing kind of like an open uh, yeah, you had suggested this goes back to the Clintons, you know, rigging the election. I say it does go back to Seth Rich in 2016, who proved it, proved how the elections were rigged, proved how they stole the, the Bernie Sanders votes, and and then um, stopped them from doing it to Trump. And then Trump ended up becoming the you know the white knight so so far, and uh, and and leaving a couple of doors closed still. But yeah, they look like they're starting to get kicked open. You're 100% correct about Seth Rich having been the source. He downloaded the files directly from the DNC. As you're observing, he was a Bernie Sanders supporter, disillusioned at how 
uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz had sabotaged Bernie's campaign. She even shifted 13 primaries Bernie had won to Hillary to guarantee she'd be the nominee. The, the irony of all of this, in my opinion, is if they, they had allowed the democratic process to work, I believe that Bernie Sanders would be president of the United States today. Because Trump won because he was relative to Hillary a dove, and she was a hawk, but Bernie was also a dove. And I right. think most Americans found Bernie's domestic policies more attractive than Trump's. Therefore, I believe Bernie would have beat Trump. I, I agree with you on that point, and I think that it's, it's really amazing that if we just follow this back to Seth Rich, which had a lot of both side connections, and to this day is still kind of a spun-up ball of yarn um, as far as people being able to figure out what, what went on and, and what happened. And through and through this whole process, you've been, you know, dragged through the court system on the Sandy Hook stuff and meanwhile watching Alex Jones kind of obliterate his career by folding up on the Sandy Hook stuff. Um, it's just really sad. I, I, I'll, I'll just uh, let you go again. Um, uh, once, you know, I, I Hold on. Before you, before you go, up. before you yeah. go, I just wanted to ask you, what has Alex Jones been up to? I haven't heard his show in, in a while, so I'm out of the loop. What's going on with I, Alex? He screams, he screams a lot. I mean, <laughs> what else lot. is new? And it's just like pull up a meeting. The most recent <laughs> one is like a couple weeks old. And poor guy's just like losing it on his own show. You think he's having so, a breakdown? Of sorts. Oh, and many times, and this has been going on for two years, man. It's and and him folding on the Poor whole guy. Sandy Hook, the whole Sandy Hook uh, farce. While Fetzer's, you know, getting just run, like, raked over the coals by these silly courts. Um, so I, I, I believe I've emailed you a few times, Mr. Fetzer, and we've talked about a, a new publishing, online publishing technology that would keep uh, a lot of your stuff safe. Sorry for the background noise. Yes. Uh, yes. But yes. I'll, I'll touch base with you again over email. But, yes, uh, do that. Yes, yes, you, yes. Uh, I should, yeah, since you bring up Alex Jones, I ought to say a few words about it. Go uh, ahead, Jim. Yeah. Uh, I think Alex has played a, a valuable role on the Internet uh, in, in relation to the preliminary stages of thinking things through, which include puzzlement. You have a situation that puzzling doesn't fit into your background knowledge, so you're motivated to try to sort it out. Speculation. That requires you consider all the available alternative possible explanations. Those two stages, which are the initiation of scientific reasoning that must be carried forward further by separating the authentic from the inauthentic evidence, which can be the key to these events, and then applying the principle of inference to the best explanation by asking, which hypothesis, if it were true, would confer the highest probability on the available evidence? And when you do that, you get the result is a likelihood measure of the evidential support the evidence provides to the hypothesis, where the hypothesis with a higher likelihood is the preferable hypothesis. And when the evidence is settled down, you're entitled to accept it as true in the tentative and fallible fashion of science, recognizing with the acquisition of more evidence or alternative hypotheses, you may have to reject hypotheses you previously accepted, accept hypotheses you previously rejected, and leave others in suspect. Now, when it comes to Sandy Hook, when we have this port portable sign, everyone must check in. When we have porta potties already in place, does anyone think that's normal for a crime scene? When you have pizza and bottled water at the firehouse, when you have a whole lot of people with name tags on lanyards, when you have parents bringing children to the scene, surely none of us believe a parent's going to bring a child to the scene of a child shooting massacre. That's absurd. 
On the other hand, if you recognize that, in fact, the features I'm describing are elements of FEMA exercises, and in fact, we discovered the FEMA manual for a two-day exercise at Sandy Hook with a rehearsal on the 13th, going live on the 14th, which you can find as Appendix A to the book, Nobody Died at Sandy Hook, which I released to the public for free as a PDF after Amazon banned the book when it had been on sale for not quite a month and already sold over 500 copies. It was going to be a bestseller. They had to nip it in the bud. They didn't expect me to release it. It's still available. If anyone in this audience hasn't done themselves the favor of downloading the PDF for free, just with the title, Nobody Died at Sandy Hook, PDF, and you'll have choices about how to download it. And you right. can begin to evaluate. Now, if it had been real, if this had been, had been real, a spontaneous shooting by a kid, then how do you explain the sign? It even says right in the manual, everyone must check in with the controller when they arrive. And of course, it's standard for female exercise. They provide refreshments and restrooms, which explain the porta potties and the bottled water and pizza. They identify the players with color coded name tags on lanyards. And they were treating this rehearsal on the 13th as a festive occasion, which is why you had parents bringing children to the scene. Now, that, that explains it. But all of that evidence is anomalous. In other words, everything I'm describing about the sign, the, the porta potties, the bottled water, the pizza, the name tags on land, your parents bring children, has a high probability, if this is a rehearsal, a FEMA exercise, low, I would say, really approximately zero probability if this were a real spontaneous event. So, But this is where Alex Jones fell short. He, he never reached that point because he didn't have the intellectual capability. I mean, this is something I've done for 35 years. I offered courses in logic, critical thinking, and scientific reasoning. This is one of my areas of expertise. So it's not surprising Alex wouldn't follow through in a way that I have. But moreover, Alex appears to have been uh, allowed himself to be played over Sandy Hook. He was on all sides of the issues. Uh, sometimes he was declaring it was real. Sometimes he was declaring it was fake. In the end, he folded. And I think it had to be in an agreed upon fashion uh, for big bucks. I mean, this is my inference. This is my conjecture. Uh, because uh, Alex just made himself look ridiculous during his deposition, oh, for true. example, which yes. I watched. He even acknowledged he'd never even read Nobody Died at Sandy Hook. Well, how can a guy be the number one most influential on the Internet, talking about maybe the single most controversial issue he's addressing and not have read the most important book? By the way, Jim, you were mentioned in the deposition where I bring together 13 <laughs> experts, including six current or retired PhD professors, and we established the school was closed by 2008. There were no students there. And then it was a FEMA exercise presented as a real event. Michael, you're saying, yeah, yeah I watched his deposition. It, it, it's sure. available on, online. Yeah. Have you Did you see it? I saw your name mentioned. Yeah, well, but he didn't read the book. <laughs> I mean, how, how absurd is that? Here's something else. There's the case in Connecticut, of course, but also a case in Texas. I yes. actually entered the case in Texas with an amicus curiae brief in which I laid out the proof that they'd fake the kids using photographs of older older uh, children when they were younger, where Mona Alexis Presley has reached the conclusion that some of the parents even use photographs of themselves when they were children. Mm. I'm talking about your degree of cynicism here. I entered that case and showed how we've been able to prove that Noah Posner, who happens to be the purported decedent of the man who sued me 
in court here in Dade County who calls himself Lenny Posner, but where Noah was made up out of photographs of his older stepbrother, Michael Vabner, and where we've you know, I, I took a guy who's an expert in photogrammetry, which is the application of the principles of mathematics to photography, who had been able to establish that Lee Oswald was the man in the doorway in the Texas School Book Depository when JFK's motorcade passed by, uh, by doing a superposition of Lee's facial features on those of the man in the doorway and the facial features of Billy Lovelady, whom the government insists is the person. And Lee fit hand in glove, everything's right. Billy, no, the, the jaw is large, too wrong. The nose isn't right. The ears are too low. It's clearly Lee Oswald and not Billy Lovelady. So I, I asked Larry Rivera, I just sent him two photographs. I said, can you tell me if these are the same person or not? I didn't identify who they were. I didn't say one was Noah Posner and the other was Michael Vabner. No, I didn't even tell him it was Sandy Hook. He went ahead, created a gift, came back and said, yes, they're the same. And indeed, we'd established independently. Six of us had gone to work on the task and found they had the same eyes, the same eyebrows, the same nose, the same mouth, the same ears, the same shape of skull. But when you see it in a gift, it's just stunning to see Noah Posner turned into Michael Vabner. And because Lenny has put up so many photographs of himself with little Noah, when Noah is Michael Vabner, it's very reasonable to infer that the party with uh, little Michael Vabner is actually little Michael Vabner's father, whose name is not Lenny Posner, but rather Reuben Vabner. And yet when the, when the plaintiff in this case sought to do a DNA sample from Sandy Hook, and I protested because it would be easy to arrange. You just take a sample from Michael Vabner, and of course it's going to show that Lenny Posner is his father because Lenny Posner really is the father of Michael Vabner. Amazing. They got the source. Get this, Michael. This is just stunning. This is another aspect of the case. They got the source from the medical examiner. But the fact is that, as I protested, according to Connecticut law, that's not a legitimate source. All DNA samples are to be stored in a central repository. They had to come from the central repository. They did not. Therefore, we moved to strike the DNA sample. But the judge just bowled forward. You know, it's as though he had a mission to accomplish as much as the plaintiff and their attorney with the case. But so I propose expanding the DNA sample to include Noah Posner, uh, 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 Lenny Posner, Michael Vabner, Reuben Vabner, and Veronique Del Rosa, who's supposed to be their mother, but the judge would not permit it. I mean, how bad is that? Well, I'm not surprised to hear that. Now, I, I have a feeling he's already... Michael, to tie the loose end together yes. is I entered that case in Connecticut and gave him the proof that Noah Posner was a fiction made out of Michael Vabner, photographs of Michael Vabner when he was a chump, and he didn't use it. It seems like the judge has... The book as a PDF, and he didn't use it. Right. What that means is he was taking a fall. Right, Mr. Fetzer, I'm trying to say that... They never even read the book. I mean, that's awfully telling, isn't it? Yes, it is. And Mr. Fetzer, what I was trying to say is, I think the judge already came into the case with a predetermined mindset already. Well, it's difficult to resist that conclusion, my friend. It seems like it. It seems like he's not really trying to understand anything you're trying to serve well, as evidence. Well, the first indication, he never really understood the case because... It uh, seems like it. Well, you see, these two forms of certification in Connecticut, as I may have already mentioned, it's not even legal for a parent to possess an uncertified death certificate. Well, there are two forms of certification. Uh, the, the, the death certificate has three parts. One part, a middle part, a shaded area is filled out by the medical examiner about the cause of death. 
the upper part is filled out by the funeral director about the particulars of the burial and so forth. The bottom part is then filled out by the town registrar of vital statistics. In this name, in this case, her name is Debbie Aurelia. She's now married, and her name is now Debbie Aurelia Halstead. Well, her certification is on the side of the death certificate. It's a vertical thing. In other words, if you wanted to read it, you'd have to rotate 90 degrees, mm. and then you could read the name. The judge never figured that out because he thought it was something that was an embossed imprint at the bottom of the page. I don't think he, even, he has even understood as elementary a fact about this case as that. And then in addition, you have the certification by the state at the bottom, uh, which is certifying that this is a true copy of the correct death certificate as attested to by the town registrar. So, you know, it's appalling to contemplate, Michael, but I believe that the judge has never even understood the most elementary aspects of this case. That's what it seems like here. And Jim, I'm sorry to switch focus uh, for a moment here, but I did want you to uh, tell us one of the first things that really opened your eyes uh, to all these all these things the official narrative seems to not hold any weight with. Well, I got I got my feet wet with JFK back in 1992 uh, when uh, I, I, my wife came upstairs where I was having a cup of coffee and reading the paper and said, you're not going to believe this, and flipped on the TV, and there was a very distinguished-looking man staying behind a lectern with the logo of the American Medical Association explaining how uh, they were publishing interviews with the two pathologists who had been responsible for the autopsy of JFK at Bethesda, but going on and berating everyone that I already knew had done serious research on the assassination and going after Oliver Stone's film as docufiction. And that, for me, was the turning point because it occurred to me that if someone of his distinction and background were going to abuse his journal— where, after all, interviews with physicians are not science. Sure. In order to promote a political agenda, namely the conclusions of the Warren Report, then perhaps some of us with special backgrounds and abilities, uh, such as myself, ought to become involved. I mean, there are very few out there who actually have the background in analytic philosophy, logic, and scientific reasoning that I bring to a case like this, which is why I think I may have been making a difference for quite a few years. But the turning point was in the case of uh, JFK, JFK. that event. And I I actually reached out to the author of a letter to the editor in JAMA, that's a journal of the AMA, was complaining about this. I liked what he wrote. He had both a PhD and an MD, and I reached out to him and suggested we collaborate on a long article or a book. His name David W. Manick. He's been to the National Archives now 10 times. He's the leading expert on the medical evidence. And we collaborated on the three books that I published that shattered the cover-up. One's entitled Assassination Science, published in 1998, The Second Murder in Dealey Plaza, 2000, and third, The Great Zapruder Film Hoax, 2003. Those books collectively destroyed the cover-up. In fact, even uh, Vince Bugliosi, who, of course, was working the other side of the street and published this massive tomb called Reclaiming History, 1,500 pages, for which I believe he was paid a million dollars. It's all propaganda. But even he acknowledged in the course of his work that I had published the only exclusively scientific books on the assassination. Yes, and to clarify some other things, 
that people have been saying throughout the years. Some have mentioned that when you were active at the University of Duluth, you may or may have not been talking about conspiracies. I'm curious to ask what you, if you ever actually mentioned anything of that nature, if you've ever mentioned JFK or anything of that sort. Oh, sure. Absolutely. I mean, this is very, very interesting. I mean, um, in June of 2006, that's, that happens to be the month at which I, uh, 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 yeah, the month in which I retired after a 35-year career, the last 19 spent on the Duluth campus of the University of Minnesota. Hmm. These courses in critical thinking, I could bring in any examples I wanted. I brought an example from JFK 9-11, uh, uh, you know, uh, any event at hand that would enable my students to better think these things through. And indeed, the first time I was invited on national television for Hannity and Combs, it was in June of 2006, right before the American Scholars Conference that was organized by Alex Jones. I love all your. We actually met. I love all your segments, by the way, on Fox News. Yeah, we're Alex. Was a classic. At, Alex had invited me to be the keynote speaker for this national conference on 9-11. I founded Scholars for 9-11 Truth in December of 2005. And the, the society had just taken off like a rocket, a loose affiliation, bringing together experts in different fields from all around the world. By the end of the year, we'd have 800 members in four different categories. So, you know, uh, uh, but this was like the day before the conference began, I was invited to go on Hanny and Ian Combs. And they told me they wanted to talk about our discoveries. And while I was in the waiting room to make the appearance, I asked them to bring in a TV. And when I saw Alan Combs say, you won't believe what your students are being taught by their professors, I knew Ooh. that they had uh, misled yes. me, but also <laughs> I knew they didn't know enough because they actually thought I had a course on 9 11. On 9 11, yeah. I, I did not have a course on 9 11, <laughs> but I talked about 9 11 all the time in this course in critical thinking. But I was able to take control of the program from the beginning. It was probably my, it was my first and probably my single most successful appearance on national television. You got to watch it. All the, Oliver North was sitting in for Sean Hannity. Uh, I mean, I took control of this program right from the beginning because uh, uh, ho ho uh, Alan Combs asked me, is this a required course? And I said, uh, why no? I said, I don't have a course about 9-11. But I said, I, but I think it's an excellent idea. <laughs> this is a lot of great material. <laughs> you know, and, and he just yes. seemed unbounded. He said, yeah, you, you sure you don't have such a course? I said, no, I founded Scholars for 9-11 Truth, which is a research organization. Uh, but, but you know, I, I just really had control of that program from that yes, point. Yes, you did. Even Ollie came back. Didn't you tell our producer that you had a course on 9-11? I said, no. I said, uh, that's not correct. Oh, I know what happened. Holmes then asked me, well, do I have any reason to believe that the Bush administration was involved in any way in 9-11? Uh, such as, for example, Dick Cheney. And I said, absolutely. And I began to tell him the story of Norman Mineta being in the underground bunker with Dick Cheney when this aide came up to Cheney repeatedly and said, sir, it's 60 miles out. Sir, it's 50 miles out. Sir, it's 40 miles out. Sir, does the order still stand? And Cheney gets up and whips his head around and says, of course, the order still stand. Have you heard anything to the contrary? 
and Norma and Mineta didn't understand what was going on there, but they were talking about this plane that was approaching the Pentagon uh, from uh, 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 the south. It wasn't a plane that was on the official trajectory. This was a plane they actually flew toward the Pentagon and then swerved over it to create the impression that it had crashed into the Pentagon because they had explosions timed for just the, when it coincided. In fact, I had a f good friend from JFK Research by the name of Roy Schaefer who had informed me he had a buddy uh, who, who was a trucker who was in front of the Pentagon at the time and who watched a plane fly toward the Pentagon and then swerve over it. And Roy was saying to me how baffled he was because his friend, even though he saw the plane swerve over it, still was convinced a plane had hit the Pentagon. You may or may not remember, Michael, when uh, Jamie McIntyre, who is by far the best reporter, a real bona fide reporter they had for CNN, was being interviewed by the anchor about the plane hitting the Pentagon. He said, well, you know, you might think that, but for my close-up inspection, there's no evidence of a plane having hit anywhere near the Pentagon. I mean, there's some small pieces here, but no parts of any plane, no wings, no luggage, whatever. And, of course, he was giving a spot-on accurate depiction. So the fact is, uh, you know, I, I was able to tell the story of Norman Mineta was directly implicated Dick Cheney in covering. I mean, the obvious thing to do if a plane is approaching a target is you shoot down the plane. You lose the plane and the passengers, but you don't lose the personnel and the property at the target. But Cheney needed this for a subterfuge, you know, to make it appear as though a big commercial liner had hit the building. In fact, it turns out there's a group called Citizens Investigative Team that noticed there was a Sitco station right in between the two trajectories, this northeastern uh, 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 trajectory that was supposed to be the official where this plane, uh, 757, was supposed to have approached the Pentagon barely skimming the ground at over 400, nearly 500 miles an hour. Well, it turns out that's not even aerodynamically possible. That plane at that speed couldn't get closer than 60 or even 80 feet to the ground because of the phenomenon known as downdraft, sometimes called uh, ground effect. Right. Uh, and where 80 feet is higher than the Pentagon is tall. Uh, and what they noticed was they had a whole group of witnesses at the Sitco station who saw a plane come in uh, uh, the opposite side of the Sitco from the side where the official approached. So they were all witnesses contradicting the official account. But here you had Norman Mineta. So I think I just took Alan Holmes' breath away by I actually so. having an answer, which I delivered even, if anything, even more effectively than I have here and now. You can find that online. Look at the Hannity and Combs, Jim Fetzer, and Oliver North. It's an absolute classic. It so, is, yes. Ollie, get, get this, Michael. Right. Ollie is asking me, didn't you tell our producer that you had a course? I said, <laughs> oh, no, no. You know, I have this research organization so forth. I, uh, I, I don't know where he got that idea. Uh, but all he wanted to persist, well, how, how could people, you know, keep this bottled up? Well, I said, you know, Ollie, this is a classified compartmentalized operation. Nice. <laughs> I was putting him on the spot yes, because he, did. he run these operations. I mean, this guy was doing dirty deeds for Dick Cheney and George W. Bush. And I so embarrassed him. I had a friend told me that Ollie didn't come back on the air for about four years after that. Interview. Wow. My goodness. Well, Jim, I'm sorry to uh, change the subject here. Yes. Sorry to change the subject here, subject here very um, slightly here. And I was just mentioning in the beginning of the show how it's been such a crazy week. The apparent so-called suicide of one Jeffrey Epstein and yeah. the constant shootings at, or attempted shootings just here where I'm at, where I'm located at, Jim. A suspect was arrested recently for allegedly threatening 
to shoot up the local mall out here. And it seems like a lot of people out there are doing the same thing, especially well, Walmart. How bad it is. In the El Paso, we got a photo of the shooter entering the Walmart. Yes. And he's got these cargo pockets, you know, these big baggy pockets external to the trousers. Now we got a photograph of him being arrested. He no longer has the big cargo pockets. So I say, what did he do? Decide middle of this mass shooting, decide, well, since I'm here at Walmart, I'm going to pick up a new pair of trousers. I mean, it's just ridiculous. They, they do these gaps. Jim Stone has noticed there had to be like 30 cameras that picked this up. He was in there for 20 minutes, which is absurd. I mean, the place could have been vacant in 90 seconds with everyone streaming out of the Walmart. But if you had a, it's 20 minutes with 30 cameras, that's 600 minutes. You should add 10 hours of footage. I may have seen now one frame where they were trying to cope with this issue I'm talking about, where, where they had actually photoshopped the image. I mean, it's real clear there's a kind of a black, virtually a black pencil outline around the figure. But the fact is, it's ridiculous in the extreme. They only had one ambulance show up. That's a real tell. We had the same thing at Sandy Hook. There was no surge of EMTs into the building, no string of ambulances to rush their little bodies off to hospitals where they could be pronounced dead or alive. No medevac helicopter was called. Triage tarps were put up, but no bodies, dead or wounded, were put on them. Similarly at Orlando, no surge of emergency vehicles. In Orlando, you had people claiming they were throwing bodies into pickup trucks. Well, that's just absurd. No one does that with actually wounded people because you may kill them in the process. You may aggravate their injuries. You might face a massive lawsuit. But the fact is, it, it's another sign it was completely fabricated. There was no string of ambulances. Same thing in Boston. Not only was there no r rush of physicians or EMTs or ambulances in Boston, but there was an honest-to-God bona fide MD who tried to reach the victims, and the police wouldn't let him because it, he would have discovered they were abs they were am amputee crisis actors. My goodness. So, yeah. So they have one ambulance. Well, why is that? Well, it's because real medical personnel aren't going to squander their time and resources on a staged event. They need to be available. What if there was a fire to break out or someone had a heart attack or what have you? Well, you got all your events at the stage shooting at the Walmart. Turns out this other Walmart in Dayton, we actually have the obituary for the alleged shooter. He died in Connecticut in 2014. I don't know if you're aware, Michael, but there was supposed to be a third Walmart shooting. So we had a Fox News uh, anchor reporting, talking about this third shooting. And then she takes a closer look and she says, she blurts it right out. Oh, it hasn't happened yet. Really? Yes. I haven't heard that one. Oh, yes. Wow. It's that bad. And then this Philadelphia thing. I knew this Philadelphia thing was ridiculous. You had the mayor coming on. You know, they're, they're trying to exaggerate. Look, the Democrats are putting, with, a, with the end of Russia, 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 they're putting in racism, racism, racism. They're putting all their eggs in gun control and unrestricted immigration, okay? So they need, they're, they're fabricating events to, to bolster their gun control argument. And, and so when the mayor of uh, Philadelphia was saying, I can't, you know, we, we, we have trouble coping with this much firepower. This is one guy who's about to have an AK-47, and after a six-hour standoff, they lobbed in some tear gas. Look, if this had been real, they would have wiped him out in about five minutes. You've got to put enough tear gas right away. There's no police force that's going to allow one guy, even with an AK-47, to take charge of the street. I mean, this is all absolutely 100% staged. And I was calling it out before we got the video showing two Philadelphia cops putting fake blood on each other. Yes, I believe I saw that, Jim. 
Isn't that embarrassing? So these Democrats have gone bananas. And Michael, what they don't understand, you got people like this, uh, you know, Mayor Pete. And Mayor Pete is saying, why, you know, we, we, we got to take these measures. We got to do all these background checks. We got to ban the sale of high capacity magazines, allow the CDC to do research on gun violence, pass red flag laws. What well, turns out the CDC has already done studies. They did one with the National Academy Institute of Medicine and National Research Council on the defensive use of guns. Michael. When's the last time you heard any information about the defensive use of guns? It turns out armed Americans use guns to protect themselves between a half million and three million times every single year, between 500,000 and three million times every year. And in fact, other studies have suggested that they're saving lives. Here's a study estimated there were 1,029,615 defensive gun uses per year for self-protection are for the protection of property at home, work, or elsewhere, yielding an estimate of 162,000 cases per year where someone almost certainly would have been killed if they had not used a gun for protection. So you got people like this uh, Mayor Pete and, and Beto O'Rourke, and of course, where's Beto from? He's from El Paso. You think it's just a coincidence that when his campaign is flagging, he's going nowhere. He wants to rise to the occasion, be a, the hero of El Paso, just as Rudy Giuliani was a hero of 9-11. And I guarantee you, Rudy Giuliani was absolutely dirty over 9-11. He was trying to of catapult course. it into a, a third election as mayor by being America's mayor. But oh, my it was God. All a ruse. He, he got... He got like 155 dump trucks the following day to start hauling all the debris away, even over the protests of the fire department experts and so forth who wanted a forensic study of what had actually happened. He had it all loaded up. But interest, in New York, it would probably take you a month to get one dump truck. And here Rudy had overnight like 155. And what's interesting about that is the dump trucks weren't arriving empty. They were arriving loaded with dirt so that for the first several days, the actual pile of debris increased in New York City because they were dumping all this dirt on the debris, which is exactly what they did at Chernobyl when they had the nuclear reactor meltdown. They brought in tons and tons and tons of dirt. To absorb the radioactivity. That's and what I, we did I, I still York. I still remember seeing him plastered all over the media being the quote unquote America's mayor. I thought that was right. extremely repulsive at the time. And I still do, Jim. It's it is very yeah. repulsive now. My God. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> By the wow. way, there's this wonderful quote from Stefan Milinu I like to contribute. If you are for gun control, then you are not against guns because guns will be needed to disarm people. So it's not that you are anti-gun. You'll need the police guns to take away other people's guns. So you're very pro-gun. You just believe that only the government, which is, of course, so reliable, so honest, so moral, so virtuous, should be allowed to have guns. There's no such thing as gun control. There's only centralizing gun ownership in the hands of a small political elite and their minions. I mean, Mao Zedong made the observation long ago that we have to command, the party has to command the guns of the people so that the people can't command the party using their guns. Here's the actual quote. All political power comes from the barrel of a gun. The Communist Party must command all the guns. That way, no guns can ever be used to command the party. Yes, and Jim, I do want to ask you, in terms of all these recent string, uh, the recent string of shootings, as we are all being witness of, 
gun control, like you said, has been sort of the main focus point of Discord, and I'm not anti-gun whatsoever by any means. Uh, do you think more restrictions on gun laws will actually help? Uh, no, no, the- they're having the opposite effect. Look, worldwide, so? mm-hmm. uh, uh, gun ownership and homicide rates are inversely related. The more guns, the less homicides. It's true all over the world. Uh, U.S. and Canada have highest gun ownership, lowest homicide rate. And, and actually, the homicide rate, gun violence, has been going down steadily for the last 20 years. The Democrats won't admit this, but it, I guarantee you it's true. The homicide rate has been cut in half. The gun violence, uh, people being injured by guns, has been cut by like uh, 75% over the last 15 or 20 years. They won't tell you that. They want to focus on these exaggerated little instances that are all fabricated where nobody's dying. I mean, I'm telling you, I've been looking at these again and again, and they're all fake. They're all fraudulent. They're all political theater. They're all to promote an agenda. It, it, it turns out that in London, for example, when they banned guns, they had a rash of knife attacks. They had so many knife attacks, they had to ban knives. And I, I said on the air, I said, what's next, potato peelers? Yes, then they banned <laughs> potato peelers. So you have in, in South American countries like Brazil, low gun ownership, high homicide rates. Obviously, they're not killing one another using guns or using knives or using machetes or using swords. Similarly, in Africa, low gun ownership, high homicide rate. Russia, low gun ownership, high homicide rate. So what do the people want us to have, you know, reduced to like London? London actually has now surpassed New York for more homicides than New York after they banned guns. I mean, how stupid are we supposed to be? Look at Chicago, which has the most stringent gun control laws in the country. And they go wild, gun violence. Taking guns away from law-abiding citizens does not make them safer. By the way, uh, Donald Trump actually blamed Violent, violent video games for the cause of these, uh, violent shootings. I, I think, I think he's wrong about that, to be completely honest with you, Jim. Oh, well, I'm not, I'm not particularly, uh, uh, praising Trump here. It's yet to be seen. He did say at a right, rally right. that he's going to support our Second Amendment rights. I'll tell you one thing. If he doesn't do that, his prospects for 2020 are going to take a dramatic drop because right now, the way the Democrats have been playing with emphasizing uh, these fake shootings and gun control and racism. I mean, for God's sake, we just elected a black president of the United States. I mean, how serious can racism be in the United States? And and open borders. The the great, there are three divisions in the body politic. You got about a third Republican, a third Democrat, and a third undecided independent swing voters. The swing voters do not support open borders. Yes, the fact is that the gun control movement isn't going to work. Even in New Zealand, where they had this completely absurd. Uh, uh, video about a guy who shoots up two mosques. And it, it was so bad, Michael. It was so bad, so embarrassingly bad, so transparently fake. They had to pass a law that you couldn't even possess a copy of the video. Yes. This video is supposed to be the justification for draconian laws to take guns away from the people of New Zealand. Yeah, it's pretty but ridiculous. You can't even see it because it's a joke. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous it's- that they would ban an, an actual video for, from the, uh, from public consumption. Of course, that's supposed to be the justification for taking away their guns. Well, it's not working. 
There are an estimated one and a half million plus guns in New Zealand since they passed these laws. The total number that have been turned in is a few hundred. So, Jim, let me. It's not going to happen any better in the U.S. They have these bans on magazines and all that in New York. Sure. Nobody follows through on it. Of course not. I'll tell you something else, Michael. There are a hundred million armed Americans who did not vote for Hillary Clinton. And by the way, Jim, just to clarify things here, you mentioned all these shootings were false flag operations. Do you think any of them were actually legit? Going back to, let's say, Columbine, for instance, as a good starting well, point. Well, Columbine, I got to admit, I myself haven't looked at, but those who have tell me that was fake, too. But I can tell you, Sandy Hook, the Boston bombing, Orlando in Dallas, uh, Charlottesville, Parkland, Las Vegas, now these three more recent, El Paso, Dayton, Philadelphia, I guarantee you all of those are fake. I guarantee you. I have done enough work to research, and typically it's collaborative where I bring in the best expert. I publish books on most of these. You can find them at moonrockbooks.com. If you subtract those completely manufactured cases, the argument for mass shooting in the United States just dries up. It virtually disappears, I'm telling you. And this is why, Michael, Amazon has now banned five more of my books. They have banned five more of my books. It's unbelievable. Here in the United States of America, These are the serious research on conspiracies that I bring together because of my background and ability. I bring the best people, so you got a dozen to 15, whether it's on JFK or 9-11 or Orlando or Charlottesville or Boston or what have you. I give you a conspiracy catalog at Moonrock Books. And if you go there, you can find out what really happened. And now even Amazon is so pressing, five more. So we have had a dozen titles altogether. Half of our books have been banned by Amazon. Michael, that's got to be the indoor record. And, and someone in the chat, Vic, is asking, why are the books banned, Jim? Well, they're banned on political grounds. They're banned because they blow apart the official narrative. It's totally political. There's your answer. I mean, this is this is a no-brainer. For crying out loud, when I bring the best experts, look, when I did the Sandy Hook book, Dr. Eowyn, who is one of the six retired PhD professors, had already published 80 articles on Sandy Hook. I myself have published 30. That's a lot of articles. I am committed to the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I cannot abide liars, phonies, and frauds. So I have published these books so the American people could learn benefit from the results of our research because we know how to conduct research. The average American does not. These are totally political. They don't want them to undermine the Democrats' uh, anti-gun agenda. No, Jim. If you, learn, if you learn that Orlando at the Pulse Club was, was closed, that they lost their pim- permit three years in advance, that that's when the club was painted from white to black because it was closed, when you understand there wasn't even anybody there, that they only had 11 parking spaces, that it had a legal occupancy of 150. If the place had been crammed with over 300, as the official narrative claims, there would have been abandoned vehicles all over the place. They weren't there because it didn't happen. By the way, Jim. Even the Orlando, even the Orlando Emergency <laughs> Medical Center declared that it's not going to charge for services rendered. Well, when's the last time you heard of a hospital not charging for a Band-Aid? They aren't going to charge for services <laughs> yes. rendered because they didn't render any services. I mean, it's insulting how bad it is. Yes. And Jim, I just wanted to mention here, I've said this before and I'll say it again. I'm completely surprised that you haven't 
uh, received the whole five-star treatment just yet, I'd say you're about four stars away from maybe even your bank assets being frozen, given the fact that we talk about these sort of things and the FBI is starting to clamp down on so-called conspiracy theories. Well, you know, I mean, uh, my goodness, Jim, Mike Mike Adams, who's ranked the second most influential after Alex Jones on the Internet, did three interviews with me when the book was banned. He was by far the most responsible. And he was astonished in uh, 2017 when his whole website where he had 200,000 followers and 1,700 videos plus plus videos was taken down because of an interview he'd done with me in 2015 about Sandy Hook. Now he got it back, and I was very impressed when he came to me to interview me again. Uh, And when the interview didn't go up for seven or eight weeks, I thought maybe he decided not to post it after all. But lo and behold, there it was, and he used as the title uh, what he'd introduced during the interview. it, It was entitled, uh, the most dangerous mind in America right. on false flags and extreme censorship. A wonderful article because, see, not only are my videos and my blogs being taken down, but those of anyone who interviews me and their videos about me uh, are being taken down, too. My other and channel was uh, demonic. It turns, out, yes. it turns out this guy who's suing me, Lenny Posner, as he calls himself, has boasted of being responsible for yeah. taking down tens of thousands of content items from the Internet. He's tens actually thousands. He's the reason why my channel was uh, demonetized, my original channel here on YouTube. He's the one who sent the complaint. This this guy, this guy's a cyber terrorist, Michael. In my opinion, he is. Yeah, he's playing the thought police game. In my opinion. Well, he, I, I'm personally convinced he's Mossad. He might be. This is all part of very elaborate. Jeffrey Epstein, by the way, also appears to have been Mossad. Yes, we'll we'll take a walk. Let's talk about that in in one second. I just wanted to ask you really quickly here about the uh, Democrats who are wanting to basically take the chair here. And personally speaking, I think Trump will be reelected after watching that very boring uh, debate, if you want to call it that. Well, let me say, what, 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 with the collapse of the Russian narrative, uh, and, and they're now wanting to emphasize racism, and they're not going to get anywhere. People who have worked with Trump for years, he doesn't have a racist bone in his body. He's a businessman. He He succeeds by working well with people. He's also a a genius at PR. He's a media a genius. Just to offer an illustration, why are you not seeing Jim Acosta or you know one of these other one of these girls from MSNBC putting him on the spot during a press conference? He doesn't have press conferences anymore. They have to call out questions to him as he's heading to a helicopter or a flight. And all the attention is on him. Jim Acosta doesn't get his moment anymore. He doesn't get his face time. I mean, Rush Limbaugh picked up on this and was praising Trump for his genius at outfoxing the media. And and I agree. He's done that. Now, he he has the potential to blow it. But before I reach that point of why I'm worried that he's done, he's made a colossal blunder here in encouraging Israel to ban Omar and and uh, uh, Taleb. Yes, I wanted to ask Trump. you about that, that. That was a huge, huge mistake. That was a monumental blunder. That was the biggest political blunder of the last 15 years, in my opinion, because it unifies everyone. 
Everyone believes Americans, no matter how much we disagree with one another, are entitled to speak their piece. And, uh, you know, this was the members of Congress. So you had Bernie Sanders saying, if you're not going to tolerate, if you don't want our members of Congress, then don't take billions in our aid. Don't take billions of aid. And, of course, Bernie's very secure in doing that because Bernie himself is a Jew. So Bernie can criticize Israel, not be accused of being anti-Semitic because yes. he's Jewish himself. Yes, I'm but blind. the fact is, everyone is coming together on this, and it can redound massively to Trump's detriment because Bibi said he did it with the encouragement of Donald Trump, and that was a huge blunder. Trump, Trump can compromise himself in two ways that could cost him the election. One is on gun control. If he weakens on the Second Amendment, you're going to have a massive defection from Trump. And I don't know where we're going, but I guarantee you it's not going to be Donald Trump. And, and the second is this thing about, you know, not tolerating diverse opinions. And Trump is not really good in this particular area anyway. Most of the he comes back as a counterpuncher. You know, he responds to sure. attack. But in this case, trying to ban them from going to Israel was a calamity. Where, where, where the, the Palestinian woman, the first Palestinian woman who's a member of Congress, was so eager to see her grandmother that she was virtually conceding to the Israeli demands in order to visit her grandmother. And then they had better thought about it and realized she could not go because they were going to treat her as a special exemption, meaning she was having to be subservient to Israeli regulations, which were grossly abusive here. Bernie is leading the campaign here, which is magnificent. Because Israel belongs to be in the spotlight. We have so few opportunities, Michael, for the role that Israel plays in our government. See, if you want to ask who's interfering with our elections, it is not Russia. It is Israel. And let me give you an illustration here of how bad it is. I have a panel of 100 executives from CNN. All of them are dual U.S.-Israeli citizens. I have another panel from NBC, 100 executives, all of whom are dual U.S.-Israeli citizens. I have another panel of 100 executives from the New York Times, all of whom are dual U.S.-Israeli citizens. So we got a real problem, but it's got nothing to do with Russia. It has to do with this little country in the Middle East. That is the tail wagging the dog. Yes. And for those that don't know, in a very unusual turn of events, Bernie Sanders has shown zero fear in some of his latest media run-ins. He has called Trump a racist and a religious bigot, as well as a xenophobe. He has pretty much triggered a, a lot of people out there. And of course, he was very angry over the fact that two congresswomen uh, being banned from entering the country of Israel. And of course, Trump encouraged and supported this decision. And I'm glad you brought that up, Jim. Very oh, interesting. Yeah, it was a terrible, terrible thing for Trump to do. I mean, it's uh, that cuts against the grain for every American of any political persuasion. It was just a colossal blunder. So you have Bernie Sanders very can candidly to Israel. Ban our lawmakers, then don't take our money. And you know what's wonderful about that, Michael? That hits into stereotypes. Don't take our money. They want our money, but they don't want our lawmakers. They're not going to let them to visit. That is a really serious, heavy criticism of the Israelis. Yes. He also said if Israel wants to ban members of Congress, it should not receive billions in military aid. Do you Mr. agree with him, Jim? Oh, of course. All this military aid for Israel, are you kidding me? They're running an apartheid state down there. They've declared themselves to be a Jewish state. 
they, they are treating the Palestinians the way the Jews were treated by the Germans. And that's a suitable parallel. And it's outrageous that these Zionist-oriented politicians are trying to get comparisons of Israel and Germany to be banned as illegal in the United States. Yes, and I just want to clarify again for those out there that are wondering if you maybe are anti-Semitic, I would have to say Jim is not whatsoever, if that's what is crossing your minds. We are talking about a very different uh, set of group of individuals here, not exactly those out there who are just I, practicing the faith without, you know, really yeah, trying I to. Care. I don't care if somebody's a Jewish or a Zoroastrian sure. or a Hindu. Tulsi Gabbard, interestingly, is a Hindu, and I think she's a... She's the one sensational candidate She's in all of the smart. Democrat clown group. I agree. Uh, uh, I don't care about anybody's religion. Sure. I don't care about their sexual predilections, different strokes for different folks. I believe in right. all that. I'm talking about the politics. I'm talking about the actions of the government of Israel and criticizing the actions of the government of Israel, such as slaughtering Palestinians who are armed with sticks and stones and they're using automatic weapons. That is brutality. That is inhumane. That is disgusting. That deserves universal condemnation. And there's not anything anti-Semitic about it. Uh, what they're trying to do is to broaden the notion so that any criticism of the actions or policies of the government of Israel is on that basis anti-Semitic. But you have to understand anti-Semitism is to criticize, is to discount or disvalue a person or their opinions on the basis of their religious orientation or ethnic lineage. I'm not doing that here. And, and the fact of the matter is it's rather fascinating. Studies done by Johns Hopkins. Have DNA studies have shown the present occupants of Israel are not descendants of the tribe of uh, Judah, but rather from the region of uh, uh, the Kazarian region, now a part of the Ukraine, which means that since the Palestinians are bona fide Semites, that Israel turns out to be the greatest practitioner of anti-Semitism in the world today. My goodness, Jim. And of course... I did want to go into Jeffrey Epstein here for yeah, yeah. a bit here. That's also yeah, very this interesting. Huge. This is huge. Just just when all this, all these uh, depositions and so forth are being released, and some of them have rather startling content. For example, they're naming uh, former governor of New Mexico, Bill Richardson, who was at one time the head of the DNC. They're naming uh, George Mitchell of Maine, who was a, ma a majority leader for the Democrats and who was even a candidate for the Supreme Court. Alan Dershowitz, of course, has been named again and again, but that Dershowitz is old news. Richardson and Mitchell are new news. But there's a whole host of very prominent Democratic politicians, such as, get this, Nancy Pelosi's daughter put out a tweet that said some of our faves are going to be caught up in this Jeffrey Epstein scandal. She's admitting, and she's talking about people like Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, Huma Abedin, Nancy Pelosi, uh, Chuck Schumer. Uh, there's good reason to believe all of them are deeply involved in what was at one time called Pizzagate, but where they went, went out of their way to try to suppress it because it's such an enormous scandal. Believe me, I've done enough research on Pizzagate. It is real. It is bona fide. Hillary Clinton's right in the middle of it. It's completely disgusting. Now, Epstein, uh, the fact that he has so much goods on so many prominent figures. Uh, I actually was interviewed by Press TV, the news service, right after the alleged uh, murder. I said this was the most unsurprising event 
in recent American political history because so many would be out to get him. But it turns out that a suicide or a murder there would have been impossible. He was in solitary. He didn't even have a, a, a cellmate. That the way the rooms are organized, there simply aren't any bars from which you could hang yourself. The claim is made that he did it using a sheet based upon a bed by kneeling. Well, the world famous forensic pathologist Cyril Reck has just debunked that, saying in 20,000 autopsies, he's never seen these bones of the neck be broken from a hanging. It's all fabrication. Here, here's what's most interesting. They had a photograph that was supposed to be Jeffrey Epstein on a gurney. But if you take a good look at the, the image, it's not Jeffrey Epstein. The nose is wrong. The ears are wrong. It appears to be Tony Rodham, Hillary Clinton's own brother who died mysteriously on the 7th of July. I'm not saying that was his body. I'm saying that was his face. It looks to me like the image was photoshopped. And one of the tells for sure, this isn't a dead party, is the face is all real pink, meaning it's got good blood flow, because when you're dead, your circulation ceases and your, your face loses its color. That's why dead people tend to look white as a sheet. Not only that, the photograph was taken in a firehouse. There's a big sign on the wall that says, cut off your engines. Uh, in the background, you can see other features that are characteristic of uh, fire firehouses, not of hospitals. The walls are dirty. Th this whole thing is fake. Now, it looks as though he was actually sprung so Hillary couldn't get a hold of him. And that he, my best guess is he's had a very secure military base in Germany in the form of witness protection. And the reason they use the facial, the photograph of uh, Tony Rodham was to tell Hillary, Jeffrey Epstein is alive and well, and, you know, he's not here in jail. <laughs> this is a telegraphing to her. Yes. I think we're actually seeing the beginning of the actual bona fide draining of the swamp. And I tell you, if Trump did nothing better, he, he's done us a number of very good turns, by the way. He's revived the economy. He's called out the fake news media very successfully. Now, what he needs to do is to restore the Smith-Mutt Act, which Barack Obama nullified by means of the Smith-Mutt Modernization Act of 2012, where the Smith-Mutt Act of 1948 was a law that precluded the use of the same techniques of disinformation and propaganda within the United States that were being used without. So he nullified the Smith-Mutt Act in 2012 in time to bring a Sandy Hook, the Boston bombing, and a whole host of these, which were made legitimate. They were made legal. I have a friend who's a former Army Intelligence PSYOPs officer, Scott Bennett, and he has told me on numerous occasions how seriously they took the Smith-Munn Act, that whenever they were planning some op, they had to consider whether it were or were not consistent with the Smith-Munn Act, which, which Barack Obama nullified. And I guarantee you 100% Sandy Hook was a Barack Obama, Joe Biden, Eric Holder, Governor Daniel Malloy, a Connecticut State Police, Newtown School Board op, where the fake parents were handsomely paid. They made out like bandits because sympathetic but gullible Americans contributed between 27 and 130 million bucks in donations and the false belief they'd lost children at Sandy Hook, which divided by the 26 families for the 20 children and six adults, averages between one and five million dollars for pretending to have lost a child during a FEMA exercise in Newtown. By the way, Jim, I do have the photograph of Jeffrey Epstein on that gurney. And on the side, it's another photograph of uh, Jeff Jeffrey Epstein alive and the other on the left. 
he's deceased. And yeah, I could see that the ear looks a little bit different. Oh, the ear is different, and so is the nose. The nose does look different. It's not as the deceased no, no, photograph is more round, and the yeah. more alive is much more sharper. That's right. That's right. Interesting. That's right. Oh, this is this is not Jeffrey Epstein, and I tell you, he's much too precious a, a witness, you know. Uh, but but I do believe a whole lot of revelations are going to come pouring out. I think I'll so also too. Tell you this. We're going to have another one of these staged shootings so often it's going to become virtually a daily occurrence because the Democrats are desperate. I have a a friend who has good intel connections who tells me that the powers that we have been given the word to get the guns this year, this year, 2019, or they are done for. So you're going to see all kinds of fantastic shooting events. This Philadelphia thing was so transparent. The idea that the Philly police would let one shooter hold them off for six hours, that's simply absurd. Yes, that was a very unusual situation. And going back to a, one Jeffrey Epstein, I just wanted to quickly get your opinion on what exactly you think might have transpired in that cell. Do you think that perhaps Jeffrey Epstein is still alive or do you think maybe it was a body double? Uh, what are your thoughts? Oh, yeah, he's I believe he's still alive. Yeah, they had a power outage, and during the blackout, they appear to have made a, a body switch. You know, if they even bothered with a body, but they probably did. You got the medical examiner claiming to have done an autopsy, but it was delayed oddly for like a day, day and a half, probably because she realized it wasn't even Jeffrey Epstein. She, the, 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 the family apparently requested such family as there may be in this case that a, a private pathologist be present. His name is Michael Baden. Well, I'll tell you about Michael Baden. He was a sometime medical examiner for New York City. I actually called up the New York City medical examiner's office. And it turns out Baden was like filling in on a temporary basis for a couple of months. So his reputation is greatly exaggerated. He was the head of the House Select Committee medical panel when it reinvestigated the death of JFK and Martin Luther King in 1977-78. Now, we know from Parkland, which was an accurate depiction, that JFK had a fist-sized blowout at the back of the head. I mean, if you if you doubled up your fist and put it at the back of your head, you'd have it pretty close to what was the case there. At, at, at Bethesda, Commander Humes, who was in charge, actually took a cranial saw to the skull of JFK and enlarged that wound. So he took out virtually the whole of the back of his head and up until the top of his head to make it look more like something that could have been if the effect of a, a, a shot fired from behind if JFK had been leaning may, way forward. But he committed the mistake of doing this in front of two witnesses, Thomas Evan Robinson, who would prepare the body for funeral, and a guy named Reed, who was a, me a medical technician. He used a cranial saw on the skull of JFK in front of two witnesses. Now, get this. Uh, uh, the, 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 the Michael Baden-led medical panel for the HSCA did what I think was an attempt to reconstruct the cover-up in a better fashion by reconstituting the back of the head, moving an actual entry wound that was like in the vicinity of the external occipital protuberance, this bump on the back of your head where you'd rest if you were reclining in a bathtub. There was an actual entry shot there. Uh, Jack turns out to have been hit three times in the head. I thought it was only two. It turns out to have been three times in the head and then once in the back and once in the throat. Uh, but what happened here is they reconstituted the whole back of the head, filled it all in with hair where there was no hair. There was a missing gapping 
gave me an open wound, where, by the way, I verified it in the Zapruder film, it occurred to me that while they blacked out the visized blowout in earlier frames from 313 on, uh, uh, that they might have overlooked in later frames. And in 374, I discovered you can actually see the blowout. Uh, David Mantic, who's gone to the National Archives now some 10 times, did a, a brilliant work on the x-rays uh, because he, he's born certified in radiation oncology, which is a treatment of cancer using x-ray therapy. He's an expert at the interpretation of x-rays, and he did a use a technique from physics known as optical densitometry to reconstruct the relative density of the objects as exposure to radiation had created the images. And he defined an area he referred to as area P for patched, that corresponds very closely to the area that you can actually see in frame 374, where there's a little hair left at Jack's top of the head. So it looks like a cashew on its side, and it's very similar in 374 in David's area P, except you've got a little hair hanging over. Now, what the House Select Committee did was to reconstitute the back of the head. This was so absurd that I actually called up Cyril Wack, who was actually a member of the panel, and I just quoted him earlier as saying in 20,000 autopsies, never seen anyone with, a, with their neck bones broken as the way is supposed to be the case with Jeffrey Epstein from a hanging. And I said, Cyril, I said, how did you reconcile? How did the House Select Committee reconcile your reconstruction with the description of the wound, this huge gaping wound, which is described with mathematical precision in the Bethesda autopsy report, and it is with mathematical precision. They say exactly the mention such a David Lifton when he, he encountered this was so dumbfounded that he called up a pathologist of his experience and described the wound without identifying the patient. And so what's it sound like to you? And he says, it sounded like they were hitting the back of the head with an axe. <laughs> Such a massive wound. And I asked Cyril, I said, how did you reconcile this? And Cyril said to me, I'll have to check my notes. Very interesting. And of course, Jim, very fascinating. And of course, Jim, you are still currently doing your show about JFK, correct? Yes, yes, yes. We do it once a week. It's called the new JFK show and they're archived at 153news.net. Look for the new JFK show or look for Gary King. Gary King is the host of the shows and you can find those there. And believe it or not, we've had some stunning revelations come out from the document releases. Even though they weren't complete, they were extremely revealing. I can guarantee 100%, for example, that Lee Oswald was never in Mexico City. We already knew the voice was wrong because they had an audio. We knew the photographs were wrong. Those weren't photos of Lee Oswald. In fact, even J. Edgar Hoover put out a memorandum to all of his agents in charge that someone was in Mexico City impersonating Lee Harvey Oswald. And then I say, if that's all you knew about the assassination, you know it was a setup that someone was in Mexico City impersonating Lee Harvey Oswald. Well, Larry Rivera has been going through these documents meticulously. He is just unbelievably good. And he has documented the case of how they fabricated the Lee Oswald visit to Mexico City, which was part and parcel of his, his fake persona, where he was being sheep-dipped as a pro-Castro communist sympathizer. They wanted him to go to Mexico City to attempt to get a visa uh, to travel to Cuba to make his escape after he'd assassinated JFK. It was all fantasy. It was all phony. It was all fake. And in fact, we've now nailed it. Larry has done brilliant work on this. So many of our most recent programs, and it's one hour every Wednesday, but they get up a day or two later. As I say, look for the name Gary King at 153news.net or the new JFK show. 
Larry has been able to expose exactly how they faked Lee Oswald's trip to Mexico City, which he never made. And just for conversation's sake, for those out there who are skeptical about the whole thing, uh, I'm sure some might even be wondering, why does the JFK assassination matter in 2019, almost uh, 2020? What would you say to those folks, Jim? Well, it was it was a day democracy in America died. Well, every president since has known they were in office at, at, at essentially with rifles pointed at their heads and that they were really not free to operate on behalf of the American people. And it's only become worse since there was a it was a massive conspiracy. Lyndon Johnson was the motivator, the prime mover. He enforced himself on the ticket. In 1960, in Los Angeles, uh, Jack had already invited Stuart Symington to be his running mate, but gave him overnight to think about it. Bobby went by the Johnson suite to extend a pro forma offer to Lyndon, never imagining that as the powerful majority leader of the Senate, he'd have the least interest, was astonished when LBJ jumped on it. He threatened to expose that Jack had Addison's disease, wasn't expected to live a long, healthy life, uh, that he had to among the beautiful women he'd cavorted with was a spy for East Germany information he'd been given by J. Edgar Hoover, and that if he were not on the ticket, then any legislative proposal sent down by the White House would be dead on arrival because as his, in his position as majority leader, he would bottle them up. Jack and Bobby anguished over this, but they couldn't find a way out, and Jack had to rescind the only political decision he made in his whole life by withdrawing uh, Symington and accepting Lyndon as his running mate, when one of uh, Johnson's rich, powerful uh, supporters learned of this, he burst into the Johnson suite cursing and swearing because now LBJ was going to help JFK become president. Bobby Baker took him into a bedroom and explained what they had in mind. He came out all smiles and said he thought that was an excellent plan. Bobby would later declare it in public, that JFK would not live out his first term and that he would die a violent death. Lyndon Johnson would send his chief administrative assistant, Cliff Carter, down to Dallas to make sure all the arrangements were in place for the assassination. Now, Jim, we are coming to a close, not just yet, but we still have some time here, but we are winding down just a bit here. And of course, I just wanted to say something. How does it feel to know that Joe Biden will be our next president, Jim? According, sure. to, <laughs> according to according to polls, by the way. Well, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Joe Biden's incompetent. You look at all his gaffes. He's, he, he, he has lost his touch. And I'll tell you, if Biden got the nomination, he can be taken out in a single 15-minute political commercial because in the Oval Office, when this new senator from uh, Delaware was being sworn in there with his family, Biden leaned over to his daughter and said, and this was picked up by the mic, do you have any idea how horny it makes me to be standing next to a 13-year-old girl? Oh, my. That's, that's, that does it for Joe. Did he really say that? Yes. I'm telling you, it was on camera. It was several, there were several articles published about it at the time. They're doing their best to try to wipe them, but I guarantee you 100%, I listened to it. I think I was actually watching when it happened. That creepy Joe Biden. Creepy Joe Biden. And I'll tell you, against the background of this Epstein, what what happened to the Me Too movement? You know, why, why mm. aren't all the Democrat progressive women out, uh, outraged about all this Epstein stuff? Because it's going to impale Bill Clinton, who made 26 trips on the Lo Lo Lolita, Lolita Express. Express. 
he, he denied. He said he only made four, but the log show he made 26. Bill Clinton, you know, couldn't keep his zipper up. I mean, it's notorious. <laughs> He's That's been true of him forever. And, you know, look, yes. they aren't making a deal of it because as Nancy Pelosi's daughter observed, this is going to sweep up some of our faves. And the Democrats are living in a state of mass illusion. Many of them still think there was a Russian intervention in the election. Do you know the CEO of Google actually testified to Congress that the total amount of money that Russia had spent in attempting to influence the election was $4,700 in a billion-dollar contest? That's the amount of money the CEO spends on an executive brunch for his officials. I mean, it's ridiculous. It really is. There's no Russian involvement. If you want to see it documented in spades, go to my book. Uh, it, you know, exposing the Russia hoax or read Greg Jarrett's book, The Russia Hoax. I'm telling you, it's all out there. Signed, sealed, delivered. There was nothing to it. That's why they're giving up Russia, 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 why they're moving to racism, racism, racism. But it, it it's not going to pan out. They're not going to succeed. Donald Trump is the only one who can defeat Donald Trump. And if he if he goes on a, a binge of, of trying to minimize the squad with stupid political decisions like suggesting Israel ought to ban him, Trump, or if he does not stand up for the Second Amendment, and he really has to crack down on the Internet social uh, uh, censorship by the social media giants. Oh, I agree. Oh, yeah, those are the steps that would guarantee his reelection if he would take those steps. Reinstate the Smith-Munn Act of 1948. Get rid of all this social media censorship. Stand up for the Second Amendment. Right. Because guns, contrary to what Beta O'Rourke and Mayor Pete say, guns do make us safer. Beta O'Rourke, as I like to call him. Yeah. But yes, as early as 1993, records show Epstein donated $10,000 to the White House Historical Association and attended donors reception hosted by Bill and Hillary Clinton. So yes, they're very tight. Oh, extremely. And look, Donald seems to have escaped their clutches. I'm relatively confident about this for the following reason. Oh, that's one thing I did. I would tell you all the time you were here, his association with uh, Jeffrey Epstein is what really caused me to sort of back away from uh, Trump. Go ahead. I'm listening. Listen, Michael. I'm here. Steve Steve Pachanik, who knows the inside and outside of government better than anybody else of my acquaintance, gave gave, gave, Clint— the Donald a clean bill of health. He he said he's he's been seeking to to drain the swamp. And, and although he had uh, 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 social engagements with uh, Jeffrey on various occasions, he was not a part of it. Here's another story: a defense attorney from Florida, representing several of the survivors, was asked by a reporter who waded right into it and says, "What about?" Uh, Trump's involvement with Epstein, and and the attorney said, well, here's what I can tell you about that. We sent out a 100 subpoenas to prominent figures about this, and the only one who replied was Donald Trump, who said, come on in, we'll sit down, I'll tell you what I know. He went in, they had a long discussion, he gave him lots of information, he said the information panned out, and that Donald Trump was the only one who gave them that helping hand. Interesting. 
Yes, that's one thing I do want to uh, let others out there know and be aware of that just because you were associated with a gentleman like this, it doesn't necessarily mean you knew all the ins and outs of that individual's uh, inner workings. There's lots of people out there that you know in your personal life that you don't exactly reveal who you truly are to those uh, individuals. Well, here's something else. Here's a Go third ahead, story. Here's a third story. Uh, that it appears that Trump actually threw Jeffrey Epstein out of Mar-a-Lago mm, at one point. I read that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, that, I think that's a trifecta there. I mean, it makes Trump look pretty good. Now, they can morph. Yes. They can make up phony videos, you know. I mean, they, they now have a morphing technique where they can show anybody in the world doing anything they want. So, you know, this is another reason why the crucial aspect of sorting these things out is separating the authentic from the inauthentic or fabricated evidence. Indeed. And Jim, in your opinion, in regards to the current trade war and seeing multiple countries heated uh, with America, do you think perhaps it's possible we might see a World War III coming to uh, fruition here? Well, there are multiple scenarios that could lead to a World War III. I think right now Pakistan and India are at each other's throats. And of course, they're both nuclear armed nations. If there were to be any uh, attack on Iran, that would be absolutely calamitous because Russia would of necessity come to the defense of Iran, just as it, Russia and Iran have come to the defense of Syria. And let me just add one word in passing, by the way. Uh, too many Americans don't understand Bashir al-Assad is a democratically elected president of Syria. Tulsi Gabbard is being attacked for visiting with a dictator. Syria is not a dictator any more than Maduro of Venezuela is a dictator. Maduro, too, is a democratically elected president of Venezuela. He was just reelected with 60 percent of the vote. His closest competitor only had 20. This guy Guido wasn't even a candidate. So for the idea for the U.S. and uh, Britain and, and France, say, to declare that Guido's a, the real president of Venezuela is just as absurd as if Russia, China, and Iran were to declare Nancy Pelosi as the real president of the United States. <laughs> it's, it's colossally bad, stupid, childish. The, the United States and Israel, alas, are the two greatest terrorist nations in the world. Many of us hope Trump would wind it down. Maybe he will. I'm just too much troubled still that his foreign policy appears to be dictated by Bibi Netanyahu. Ah, yes. And by the way, I do have the portrait that was unearthed at Jeffrey Epstein's, I believe yes. one of his mansions, one of his yeah. mansions. Portrait of Bill Clinton yeah. in a blue dress and red, red <laughs> slippers. That's something. I've seen it too. Oh my God. You know, right I could, on. I could, I could sort of see how that's more of an artistic sort of rendition. Uh, but the simple fact that it appeared at Jeffrey Epstein's house is, is kind of unusual. I think it's fantastic. We got a <laughs> photograph of it because hearing it does not do justice to the reality. Do you think Bill might have ever put on a dress at one time or another? It would not surprise me. I it wouldn't be would that surprised either. Surprise me. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be completely baffled oh, if I no, learned but, <laughs> that that happened. You know, so <laughs> oh my god, see, Bill, Bill Clinton fits so many stereotypes, you know, I mean, it's embarrassingly bad. He just was a terribly affable guy and had a high likability quotient, similarly with Barack Obama. True. He's just very likeable. bad, even despicable people because they have a high likability quotient. The public doesn't see through them. That's part of the problem. Trump has a lower likability. When he was a playboy, he was enormously popular. And I think that's where he had interactions with Jeffrey Epstein. They were both prominent in the New York social elite. You right, know? right. So they run into each other. But I do not believe. I mean, look, 
look at who Donald Trump is married to. Would you, would you rather would you rather go to bed with Melania or with a fourteen year old girl? I mean, oh my give, God. Me, give me a break. Give me a break. No, I I agree. I've never yes. understood the wow. attraction of children. You know, if I'm going to bed with a woman, I want her to want to go to bed with me and to be competent in making the decision for herself. That these children are are, are beneath; they're incapable of granting consent. That's why it's so exploitative and so disgusting. And of course, this wasn't just child trafficking. This was a whole blackmail scheme, as you were implying earlier on. Oh yes. Where, where a little St. James Island, which he wanted to rename Little St. Jeff Island, was just loaded with cameras everywhere. We, the IT guy who worked for him for like 10 years, uh, recognizing or reporting how Epstein was very exacting and wanted to get very high quality video and audio all over the island. Yes, it's very unusual. All the things that have been unearthed since he has departed and i don't even think we've seen all the full fireworks just yet oh no 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 it's just beginning to come. we've only seen the tip of the iceberg michael i i'm afraid so and the one other thing i forgot to mention here earlier when we were talking about 9-11 i i did want to mention one prominent player in my opinion who really got a lot of people going and that's michael moore even though i don't really like what he's become at the time I definitely do remember watching his film Fahrenheit 9-11 way back in the day. And I thought that was actually not such a bad film at the time. What's your take? I think Michael Michael Moore is quite a brilliant guy. I don't always agree with him, but I think he's done good things. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, I respect him. I I like people who have strong opinions and are able to argue for them, uh, as can Michael Moore. Uh, by the way, uh, I did this talk down in uh, Chicago. It's a group that calls themselves the College of Complexes. And you can find the video at 153news.net where I was talking about the Sandy Hook uh, Posner versus Fetzer lawsuit and why it matters. And it was the most fascinating exhibition of freedom of speech I've ever enjoyed. I gave my talk. I had an hour and 10 minutes for Q&A then. They opened it up to anyone who wanted to give a critique. They had four minutes to say anything they wanted. And some of them went after me in a savage way. It was fascinating. Then I had the opportunity to rebut. It was the greatest experience of freedom of speech I've ever had. I recommend this. It was an exhilarating experience. And when was that exactly? It was May 25th. May 25th. Okay. Very interesting, Jim. And by the way, Jim, I was also curious about any sort of upcoming books that you may or may not be writing at the time for those that are just uh, tuning in now. Right, right now, right now, we're completing Las Vegas. Okay, Las Vegas. It's actually yeah. kind yeah. of... I would say within a month, mm-hmm. if you go to moonrockbooks.com, we should have Las Vegas out within a month. Isn't that hilarious how, well, I shouldn't say hilarious, but interesting that the whole Las Vegas shooting is something that's sort of being swept under the rug again. Uh, nobody's well, talking be, about believe it. Believe me, it'll be revived because this, this book, this book lays it out. Very interesting, Jim. Very, very interesting. And of course, I definitely want to thank you for being a part of the program. It's been an interesting uh, talk with you here, Jim. Michael, I always enjoy coming on with you. You, you, you are one of my favorite hosts, and uh, I, I, I like Richie Allen, who has a totally different kind of style. But our conversation are very thoughtful and rather deep and searching. 
with, with Richie, it's a much more abbreviated, but he's broadcast out of the UK, you know, all over Europe. And those are lots of fun, too. But I really like I really like our conversations, Michael, and I'm just delighted to have these opportunities. I'm glad you said that, by the way, in terms of other individuals who do interview interview you. Uh, some people ask me to listen to certain interviews with you. Or they ask me if I have listened to so and so interview. And to be honest with you, I, I don't have uh, the time to listen. Sure. But I mean, in, in terms of uh, you coming on other people's shows, I think it's, it's terrific. I definitely want you to be on as many shows possible to uh, spread the word. And yes, this individual I have heard of, however, from the UK. Yeah, he's that, he's, he's that a famous guy and a terrific guy. I really like him. But it's a, a, a very different type of show. It's a much more conventional talk show, whereas you and I have serious discussions. So it's just quite different. But I do an awful lot of interviews, Michael. If oh, you yeah. were to listen to all my interviews, you would hardly have time for anything <laughs> else. Yes, you you definitely are out there a lot, Jim. You, it seems like you're out there almost every other day being interviewed. I'm doing my best because, you know, I want to get the truth out. It does no good for me to do all this research with all these experts if the public doesn't learn our results. So, you yes. know, don't take it for granted, but I'm telling you where you can go. We prove I can prove everything I've been saying to you here on this show. Believe me. I mean, I spent enough time offering courses in logic, critical thinking and scientific reasoning to know the elements of proof. And, you know, it would be silly for me to go about making claims that I couldn't substantiate. Why do that? The truth is much more interesting than fiction. And I agree. ferreting out the truth is a challenging enterprise to which I and my colleagues respond with enthusiasm. So you'll see the results of our collaborative work on Las Vegas in the very near future. I'm looking forward to that. And before I do let you go, as usual, Jim, I do have to try to open you up here as we're talking. Let the listeners and your fans alike uh, behind the curtain just a little bit here. And I wanted to ask you again about the missus. Is she doing OK? Uh, how How is she holding up? Uh, currently right now, if you don't mind me asking. I think she feels much better now that I have a, a, a an attorney who's uh, highly qualified. This guy's very, very competent. I'm real happy about this. Okay, so she's not not hitting you in bed or anything. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like we're, that. We're, 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 we're doing fine. Okay. We're doing fine. I, I have some fans, actually, who, who here in Wisconsin who just treated me to dinner at the Texas Roadhouse. And Jan didn't come with us, but they insisted on my taking home a dinner for her. Yeah. So she wanted, she, she wanted steak kebabs. I had uh, ribeye and ribs at a Texas nice. roadhouse and a Long Island iced tea. And she, I brought home steak kebabs, and they have these wonderful rolls. And they packed eight rolls in a whole – I mean, it was just wonderful. She was quite tickled. My goodness. That sounds like a great out, a great <laughs> night out. And it was. I'm still recovering from the meal. Very nice, Jim. And of course, before I do let you go here, Jim, I definitely want to leave you with the final word. Go ahead and plug anything you'd like. And of course, leave us with anything that is floating around in your mind there, Jim. Well, if you want more of my stuff, you already know you can find lots of videos at 153news.net. But also, if you go to my blog at jamesfetzer.org, there are two archives of videos right there on the blog, right? The top video one, video two, you can find a lot of stuff there. Let me just close with the following sentiment, which I was saying to these guys at dinner, you know, you may find engraved on my tombstone were I to have one. When they come for our guns, the time has come to use them. Very nice. 
Very, very nice. Yes. And I agree with you on that one. One hundred percent. Jim, it's been an honor as always. My great pleasure, Michael. Yes. Did you have fun, Jim? Yep. Clockwise. Jim, take care and I'll talk to you on the other side, my friend. That'll be my pleasure, Michael. Thank you. Mahalo. Good night. Bye. And there he goes, ladies and gentlemen. That was one James H. Fetzer. Great guy. Love talking to him here on the program. And of course, we are set to go on a little break here. And of course, when I return, I will be joined by yet again another soul, a veteran of the program, the one and only Mike Hideous. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. Lee in Washington, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, Alex Jones. I've been waiting a long time to talk to you. Anyways, I just wanted to say, um, I remember back in the day, uh, Y2K, the Bill Cooper incident, and you smoking Louise me, Joe Rogan. Now you lost your kids, and I'm so happy about that, dude. If I ever seen you in real life, I would smack the head out of you. I would delay that because we can't have cussing. I've never taken DMT. And welcome back to the program Ladies and gentlemen, I apologize for that long break, and it is now that time to bring in our second guest. Mike, what's going on? Can you hear me okay? I can hear you fine, Michael. What's, How are you? I'm good, buddy. It's been a while since I've talked to you. Yeah, yeah, likewise. Well, not too long, but it's been a few it's been a few uh few months here. I think so, yeah. Something along those lines, and of course you've been quite active. Uh, going back to your roots. Uh, yeah, I, I, well, yeah, I suppose. Um, I wouldn't overdo it and say I've been real active, but I've kept busy. Yeah, you've been slightly more busy than usual. And of course, Mike, I do want to thank you for being a part of the program as a longtime veteran of the show. And as always, thank you for having me, Michael. Always a pleasure. Um, yes, uh, I'm very grateful to be on your show as always. Yeah, it's always fun to have you here, Mike. So much has been going on as of late. You got to get your take on all sorts of things here. Oh, please. You don't want to get political <laughs> on me tonight. Oh, I do. It's been very political, uh, very politically uh, heavy here. It sure has, man. I think a lot of people are tired of it, too. It's getting to that point, I would have to say. And Mike, before mm. we, we jump into all these things here, I thought we could sort of go into your background for those who don't know who you are, Mike. Well, in a, in a nutshell, as I've, I uh, would like to keep this, uh, I, I'm, my name is Mike Hideous. I'm uh, a performer, well, used to be a performer, not much now, but artist, uh, writer, and I, I, I sang for a band called The Empire Hideous. Um, I did my own band, Spy Society 99, and I did a short term with The Misfits and a short term with Bronx Casket Company. I think that's about it. But primarily nowadays, I'm I'm focused on art, and here I am tonight with Michael Deacon. I know, right? Isn't that insane? <laughs> it's wild. You know, Mike. Today was one of those days, man. Oh my God! This, everything didn't work. Like my, I had five thumbs on my finger every time I tried to pick something up or uh, write something down or. Everything was just a mess. Like, did you ever just have one of those days where nothing goes right? And like, oh, well, just, of course, of course. Oh what? man, I started swearing so bad. What happened? <laughs> you gotta tell us. It's just, just things, you know. Just things kept happening. So the more things kept happening, the more angry I got, and so I swear a lot. <laughs> well, that's normal. You could swear. 
It is. It is. Uh, 45 minutes straight. I don't know. <laughs> 45 minutes straight? Yeah. That's like a record. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I I have that Italian temper. <laughs> it's the Italian side of you. <laughs> and by the way, Mike, I, I've, been, I've been listening to a lot of your... Uh, a lot of tracks from your your former band, the Bronx Casket Company. Mm-hmm. By the way, uh, not to turn the, the that's the, okay. Go the, ahead. The, what was that music that was playing um, right before we got on? That was really interesting. That was from the Return of the Living Dead. Oh, is that what it is? Uh, a score? Yeah, it's a song from uh, the movie. There, it's very uh, very catchy. I liked it. It almost it almost sounded spy like, very uh, you know, old school. Um, what's what, what am I thinking of? Peter Peter Gunn type music. Yes, I like it. It's it's a very it's very uh, very appropriate here. Fits the show. But then again, the Return of the Living Dead. You know, that's a classic film right there. Indeed, I think I I met one of. The, I think the girl, actually, I didn't meet her. That's a lie. I saw her recently. Um, I, I almost want to say she was at a wake, but uh, she was the girl from that film. Anyway, it's useless information. Um, moving right along, you know, I, I, I just recently did two shows. Did you know that? I did, and I did want to go over that. But before we uh, do, uh, you brought oh. up you brought up a wake, and that also brought up uh, Tracy Twyman, who you basically introduced me to. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think did we did we talk? No, we talked about this on the phone. On the phone, privately. right? Yeah, um, yeah. What a shocker, uh, Tracy. The, the the way I found out about her wasn't I right though? Ever, huh? Wasn't my suspicion right? Was it? It was. Really? I didn't know. When did you find this out? Oh, well, I, I told you what I thought that happened, and it seems like it it, it happened. Yeah. Can, she, you, can you say it on the air? Yeah, she hung herself. Oh, she did? Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. I, I figured she did herself in, unfortunately. Wow. That's pretty effed up, man. It, yeah. The, the first pretty time I ever heard of her, I had rented a movie called, um, oh, shit, um, Hold on, it's right here. It was a movie about the the whole Christ on the Cross conspiracy called Bloodline. So it's an independent film, and it's about it's like a documentary about these this guy who's. Do you ever, do you ever read about the um, uh, the oh shit, what's it called? There's a church in France called I think it's called Rene Chateau or yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. It, it's that. Um, it's that church where they allegedly fa- uh, the priest found some type of paperwork in the altar and the conspiracy like he got real rich after that after going to the Vatican and the conspiracy goes on that he had some information that goes back to the Knights Templar yeah. and possibility of Christ having a anyway I'm getting off the subject the, the, the point is this was the, the DVD and at the end of the DVD I saw an advertisement for Tracy Twyman in uh-huh. her book that's when I, I I actually got her first book can't remember the title off the top of my head but it was about that particular subject the Rene Chateau whatever mm-hmm. and um, then she put out another book and then that's how somehow you and I found out about her like through different sources because I don't think I told you about her. No, you didn't tell me about her. We sort of 
uh, kind of found her by her Separately. own means. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I got really interested in her because after I read her book, she started mentioning people that I knew from New York City and, and places and stuff. And, and she was from the same time as when I was young and growing up back then. So, uh, yeah, I got like two or three of her books. And uh, and now she's dead. Now wow. she's dead. And by the way, speaking of which, uh, you said when you were younger, I watched uh, some video footage of you back in 1994 out there in New York. And that really brought up a lot of uh, different things I've been told throughout the years. And it made me think about how different New York was back in those days, especially oh, no compared doubt. to today. Jesus. Yeah, things have really changed. I mean, when I was a kid, like in my early, like when I had turned 21 to go to clubs in New York, um, I, I was going to places that were relatively new and uh, uh, coming of age, just as I was getting into the scene. But there were also clubs that were closing for one, like say my older brother, who was into a similar scene. Um you know, there were cl- clubs that closed down that he was going to. Max's Kansas City. Right. Uh, what else? The Soap Factory and other places like that. And then by the time I got it into going, there were new types of clubs and some of the old ones had closed down. So it's a, it's a never-ending cycle. And I'm sure now, like, when I went to New York to play this gig on the on the 14th with, with my band Empire Hideous, um, it was different. I, it's even more crowded than it was. <laughs> uh, it's there, the, a lot of the club scene is, is changed. I used to go to the, to the city, into the village uh, and into the alphabet city, like every weekend, every yeah. weekend I would take the train in and, and we'd hang out. My friend Mark and I would hang out at the clubs. Like uh, what a debaucherous life I led. We were always drinking and partying and it was nonstop. And now I don't even want to be near New York. I can't even stand it. No, I don't I don't blame you for that. You know, I've interviewed Michael Alec here on the show and he was talking to me about of about all those things he used to do as well, going back into the, the club scene and all that and all the drugs they were doing. Of course this was off air, by the way. I wish he was telling that on the air, but uh mm. he chose not to, but yes. Lots of drug use out there in New York. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, with a guy like that, you know, no, no offense to Michael, but he's crazy. That was, you could, you could say it was that. a lifestyle, you know, <laughs> that, that was what he did. Yeah. He's a wild man. You, you could talk about him here on the show. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's cool. <laughs> he's not going to get mad at you. No, I just don't, uh, you know, I'm, I'm keeping it cool, man. I'm not going any places I don't need to go. Well, look who's afraid of Michael Alley. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> Dude, he killed somebody. <laughs> Gotta be careful when you say stuff like that. I mean, you know. Uh, good times. <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah, he's cool. Michael's cool. Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah, yeah, great, great. Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> if you, you know, if you think it's great to cut up your drug dealer. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> well, I mean, he did, he did do the time. Oh, he sure did. Yeah. What was it? Uh, 15 years, I believe. I believe so, my friend. And by the way, Mike, uh, the last time you were here, I believe we interviewed Susan Martinez. <laughs> Wasn't, oh my God, that, that was so much fun, by the way. I loved having you here because Susan, in my opinion, wanted to kill you, Mike. 
She did not like you at all. No, she was not. No, no, she didn't want. I mean, if she did, she played it off really well. But I mean, she was irritated, I man. Know. I could tell she was pissed off at was you. Was she really? Did I yeah. irritate her? I think she was mad at you, man. No, come on. Are you teasing? I'm me? not. I'm not teasing you. I think she was actually like heated with some of the things you were saying uh, because uh, she because comes I was on crossing her. I, yeah, I, I was crossing her. It's because some of these individuals that sometimes I bring on here, some of them aren't really. You know, they're not really too used to being pressed that hard. And you were pressing her uh, pretty damn hard. And I don't think too many people do that with Susan. So she really? was, yeah. So she had her back up against the wall. I, I think, I think because some just by uh, judging uh, by the way she was perceiving the questions and the way she was uh, delivering her response to you, I sort of took that in a way where I thought she was almost like being defensive, uh, sort of, my friend. I kind of think I mean, so. I, 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 I got to admit, though. I mean, I you know, being there, being there and talking to her, I I felt that, yeah, I kind of did press you her. You get that on vibe, right? She brought up. What's that? I said, you got that vibe, right? Kind of? Well, here's what I'm getting at is mm -hmm. even though I pressed her, I didn't think that she was that um, irritated with me. I thought perhaps maybe she was like, well, you know, I, I, this guy's being uh, you know, a non-believer, and I, I was. I'm, I'm a skeptical man. Sure. So it's okay. Um, but I didn't think she was that upset with me. I really didn't. It seemed like as we went on, she got kind of more and more irritated with you. And believe me, I loved it, Mike. I like when someone becomes <laughs> very uncomfortable here on the show. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm like, I need to bring Mike, uh, Mike back on more often. Get your your guests pissed off. <laughs> yeah, that. Well, I mean, that's, well, you know, that's what all, makes it fun. All good fun, and yeah. I, I I didn't mean anything personal against her. It's just look, you know, like I, I'm a, a man of facts, you know, and I'm sure you are too. Even, I am. Even even the the greatest conspiracies that are simply methods or uh, you know theories, I should say, and. You know, you gotta. If you can't like take criticism as to what's a fact, like then how could you be in the business? That's what. If she feels, if if she were to feel upset based on just that conversation she had, I don't think she'd ever survive in the real world. She's just she's just not used to being pressed during an interview. I believe. Well, well then you know yeah. what? The wrong people are interviewing her because that, that's what it's all about. <laughs> I agree. It made the interview you know? fun. I think that was probably the best interview she's ever done. Since she's, have she you, got questioned. Have you interviewed her since? No. You know, I tried messaging her afterwards, and I thanked her. You know, I thank almost every guest I bring on here after the interview uh, concludes. I send them a nice little email and all that crap. You know, give them a little rub. And sure. she never responded. She ghosted me. Do you think Do you think, um, you think think it's because of that interview? I believe so. Well, then. I mean, I I don't really care. Turn. That's okay if she wants to, you know, take it that way. That's totally up to her. She's got the God-given right to. That's right. That's right. And and, and you can't please everyone, as I've, I've always said. Oh, believe me, I pissed off so many people here. Even little things, Mike. Sometimes I get these emails uh, with individuals wanting me to listen to certain interviews. And for the most part, I don't have time to listen to other people's uh, shows or do anything like that. Yeah, I, I just don't have the time. Right. Yeah, I'm already, you know, I'm already stuck in my own little, my own little schedule here. I got my routine of what I listen to. I don't really what break happens? that cycle. What, 
they get mad at you? Yeah, they get kind of mad. They're, they say different things like, oh, why don't you want to listen to this? Or, oh, you don't want to talk about this or that. And even a, even a small show like the one I do here, uh, it is kind of small, but not the, not the podcast rendition of the program, which I'm completely surprised about. It actually does quite uh, well, much better than uh, YouTube or any of the uh, networks that I'm on. Uh, the podcast rendition of the program, uh, you know, a funny thing, Mike, no matter how insane I act or wrong I am about this or that, uh, it really, it really depends as much as, uh, you know, if I'm wrong about something and if I act up even more, I get more listeners. Right. Yeah. Isn't that ironic? That's how it works. That, that's really how it works. It's a little bit more controversial. I know what you're saying, and you know you, you've got a good thing going, in my personal opinion. But I think a woman like Susan, um, <laughs> Susan. I, I, I think you know, no disrespect to her, but I think poor Susan. The subject that she she was talking about is, let's face it, it's a controversial subject. So there are going to be people with controversial answers or, or questions to it. To, to what her theory is. And let's face it, religion is a very complicated subject. Very. And you got very some people who believe, others who don't. I've always wanted to believe, but I haven't found any proof. And I, if somebody's going to sit there and tell me that the proof is in the blind faith, I'm sorry, that's not an answer. What made you turn your back on God? Uh, that's a really good question. Yeah, what was it, Mike? In all seriousness... As far back, like when I was 13, my, my parents, like my parents sent me to, I was, you know, strict Italian family. My parents sent me to catechism, CCD, when yeah, I was yeah. a kid. And I had to go to church on Sundays. And Oof. I went up till I was 13 years old. And um, I got my, my communion. You know what that is, right? You know all that stuff, communion, oh, yeah. confirmation. Catechist, all that, well, all that stuff. Right, yeah, right after I got my confirmation when I was 13, I never, I, I told my parents, I'm not going back to church anymore. No, I'm done with church. That's it. I, I, I came away feeling empty because I, I had more questions than I had gotten answers. And I'm sorry, but as I just said, blind faith is not an answer. That is a cheap, like, copy. Uh, what am I trying to say? That is a cheap way to answer a question that has no answer. Very true, especially if you're going to try to use that in a debate. <laughs> you get laughed at. Right. You, yeah, you imagine if court was like that. Um, so, And the funny thing is, it, it, in some cases, it actually prevails. You know, you could be a religious person, whatever religion, Rastafarian for whatever, um, and say, well, it's part of my religion. That's what I believe in my God. And, and bingo. Oh, okay. That's your thing. You're off the case. You're, you know, you're off the hook. Yeah. Anytime we talk so, about God on the show and religion, people go insane. By the way, the podcast numbers go uh, way higher, Mike, by the way. Right. Well, you sometimes you get people who agree with you and others who disagree. Oh, they get pissed. Oh, they get real well, mad at me, Mike. They always want to tell me not to say this or that. So I know it's working. Exactly. Lord. But uh, so, so, you know, here I am at 13 and I, I'm having, de you know, debates in my own mind about is God real? So this went on for about another ooh, 14, 15 years. And by the time I was 26 or 25, um, I was married at the time and we, my wife and I actually. I know. Holy shit. You were married. 
Yeah, yeah, back in two, uh, 1993. Yeah, and you were, two. yeah, man, and you were like, you know, you were like a different person then. No, not, not, not really, not entirely. I was, I mean, I was, I still had, I had the band. You I had the still... married, well, you had the married life. That's what I'm referring to. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, but, you know, my wife at the time, we were two of a kind. She and, was cool yeah. with it, with a lot of the, your life decisions, though, with the band, the music. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember we talked about that. Yeah, my my ex wife and I we were we were tight. Like she was like the one woman who knew everything about me. And uh, you know, I mean, a lot's changed since then. But right. Anyway, what, what I was trying to say is, one year we did this this ritual resolution, and uh, at that was that day I gave up um, religion, politics, and uh, morals. <laughs> Uh, so that was my resolution and I kind of stuck with it for years, you know, are are you affiliated with any political party, Mike now or then now? No. Yeah. I'm with you on that one. I don't have any, I don't have a dog in the fight. I'm equally upset with every political party, uh, because you know, in my, in my opinion, in my mind, I think it's all pretty much a scam, Mike, to some extent. To some extent, yes. Yeah, it's it's just terrible. I mean, I remember a time when people didn't like uh, politicians, and now they are like hosted up as heroes. It, here's what's happening, Mike. Tell um, me. Go ahead. The, the problem is social media, and ah, uh, yes. <clears throat> let me let me let me define my my statement here. Social media is a great thing for you know. You want to find somebody on Facebook? It's great. The, the the problem, and it's not so much a problem; it's the issue. The issue is now that everybody has got this opportunity, this this platform, so to speak, like this you know this uh, uh, podium where they can get up and say, "Here's how I feel." Ah, uh, yes. Look at this. Look at this flyer that I I found on the internet, and I'm going to post it on my page so everybody knows how I feel. And me, 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 and this is what I believe in, and blah blah. blah. So now you have. How many billions of people on Facebook claiming they don't like this guy, they don't like that lady, they don't like this color, they don't like that color, and uh, you're not good because you don't like that color, and you're no good because you don't like that person. So you've got everybody making these comments, and and now for the first time in our history, this type of media has gone worldwide, and that's how we hear everybody bitching and complaining about this particular I think what we're going here is towards this particular administration. I think you're right about that. And by the oh, way, I'm definitely right. I think you are. And by the way, Mike, earlier on the program, I was talking to uh, Jim Fetzer, former process, uh, former professor out of Duluth. And we were talking a little bit about the latest in Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, have you been taking notice at all about, about uh, Jeffrey Epstein there? I, I heard he died. Here's the thing. You just caught me recently in the last couple of days. I'm at a point where I am done. You're I'm done. done. I'm, no, I'm so yeah. fucking sick and tired That's okay. of politics. I'm, I'm tired of hearing racist. I'm tired of hearing uh, r- r- Russia. I'm tired <laughs> of hearing Nazi. The I'm, racism. I'm, tired of, yeah. I'm so fucking sick of it. So I had to turn the radio and, and the television off. I, I'm, I'm just at the point I don't want to hear about it. And Epstein, I could give a shit. I really, I'm just, I'm over it. You're done with it. I have to be, dude. I'm with it's you. driving me crazy. Michael, yeah. it's driving me crazy For, uh, every day. Well, a lot of people are like that. Bullshit. A lot of Say people again? have reached that point. Yeah, I could I could understand though. A lot of it uh, a lot of people are sick of politics indeed. 
Yeah, like like when I go on, if I go on social media, if I go on my Facebook page, I try my hardest. I don't look at any politics stuff. I don't I don't post any po- I don't post my opinions. I'm done. It, it's it's so it's at that the point. It's just it's so annoying. It's so annoying, and I'm so tired of these people. Uh, you know, it, it's just so easy. Everybody's got a cell phone. They 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 do mass texting and okay, meet me over here. We're gonna protest this. <laughs> Who cares, man? Like, get over it. You know, the guy won. Just deal with it. Just deal with it. Right. <clears throat> My goodness. So yes, we were talking about uh, Jeffrey Epstein there, and the yes, right. <laughs> yes. I just wanted to say yes. Uh, lots of uh, conspiracies surrounding his death continue, and uh, right. very interesting stuff going on. But yeah, a lot of people though are are kind of uh, tired of it. They don't want to go to work and listen. Uh, to that sort of thing, they don't want to have a big, I guess you could say, a uh, buzzkill while they are already depressed going into work. Michael, you know what? Even more so, how I see it is, I'm I'm more concerned about uh, physical harm, like like uh, having your property defaced, your car busted up, uh, you yourself being physically assaulted. Uh, you don't like that guy? I'm gonna fuck you up right now. You know. That's what it's come to. It has. Yeah, that's the that's the craziest part. It seems like that's where we are right now in terms of how people disagree. We want to sort of uh, tear the other one apart uh, physically. We're, we're in a cold civil war right now. You know, it, it, it's, it's all done on media, social media. Um, and it's like, you know, we hate the left. We hate the right. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> That's what it's come down to. And and thank goodness it's only at that stage. But what frightens me is, like, how bad can this possibly get? Like, I got to admit, I know you don't – you're not a big fan of, of Donald Trump. But I got to say – and I'm not – I don't believe, you know, everything well, he says I don't agree with. To be honest with you, I'm a bigger uh, fan of his than the uh, current uh, crop of uh, Democrats right now that are – Trying to uh, take a seat, to be honest with you, I'm not really impressed with any of them. And again, how can you be? I, I don't have a political uh, dog in the fight, to be honest with you. I think they're all full of shit uh, to some degree. <laughs> but I mean, I look at these candidates and I'm just thinking, man, they make Obama look like a Republican. <laughs> it's true. You're absolutely right. It's insane. There's they're just saying all these things. And it's like, where are you getting the money to, to do this? I kind of like Bernie, though, a little bit. I, I do like Bernie just a tiny bit, but I do prefer Ron Paul over Bernie Sanders any day. But that's just my opinion. Ron Paul's in, in, in I didn't even know that. No, no, he's not running. I wish he was. I'm just saying oh, I like okay. Ron Paul, though. I, I've always liked the old man. He's got that charisma that I've never seen anyone else have. Yeah. Yep. Poor well, guy. He got screwed, in my opinion. What did you want to go on about at Epstein? That that was what we initially went on here about. Oh, I was just going to quickly say, yeah, there's been all kinds of uh, conspiracies surrounding uh, the death of Epstein. They're saying maybe he was whacked in prison or maybe there was a body double and that's what went on. Uh, there's there's different things out there. You never know. The guy had a lot of money, right? He had a he shitload like- of money. Right. So sometimes money can really make things happen for you who knows a lot of who people knows? wanted that guy dead yeah and he had enough money to pay people off to say i'll pay you double if they're paying you to kill me i just look at el chapo he had a couple body doubles himself that's right <clears throat> when you got that kind of money you could do that sort of thing yeah 
even Saddam Hussein. That's true. <laughs> and I, you know, and I'm still and, with, I'm still with that belief that nope. Americans shouldn't have overthrown. Uh, they shouldn't have overthrown him. Uh, Saddam Hussein. Yeah. I think he was. Don't get me started. I think he Don't was even a, get me started. The, the greatest leader of the Muslim free world. As soon as they tumbled his, his regime, that's when the entire Arab Spring took place. Exactly. The Muslim, the Muslim religion went cuckoo caca. And, you know, overthrowing this guy, overthrowing that guy. I blame the Federal Reserve should, full of we criminals. Should kept, we should have just kept our nose out of it like like we never do. That's that's the problem with these former administrations. We would get involved with these, these, these situations like Vietnam over and over and over again and never come out on top. You know, just leave. Let the other countries kill themselves. Let them do what they need to do to survive. Why do we have to police everybody? And then when we don't, we get bitched at. When we do, we get bitched at. So just stay out of it. Is that what we're doing in Chicago currently? Oh, Chicago. How many people die every day in Chicago from gun from gun violence? I'm still amazed. Do you hear the liberals bitch and complain about that? No. They talk about one guy that gets shot from a cop because the cop's doing his job. Nine times out of ten, probably more. I'm still blown away by how many deaths occur out there in Chicago. Absolutely. Every day. Two weeks ago, they had like 50 people got shot. 50 in one weekend. Yeah, Come that's, on. that's, a, I, you know, that's too much. The people who bitch and complain about gun control and gun laws and red flag this and background check that and guns are no good. They kill people and blah, 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 blah. They, they haven't bitched once about Chicago. It's always when this, like I said, when this one incident happens, nine times out of ten, it's like, you know, uh, they got to make a race thing out of it. Well, a black guy got shot by a white cop. I was watching that. You heard about that standoff in Philadelphia the other day, right? I think it was Thursday. Yeah, we were just talking was, about that. Here. I was, I was at the mechanic and I was getting my car fixed. And I was watching this thing. I watched people, these people in Philadelphia, and mind you, this gun, this gunfight took place in a neighborhood, okay, where there's like a, there was a park like right next to it, and little kids were there. Well, not there. They they got rid of them, but. I mean, there's people, there's families here, and there's a fucking gunfight. And so at the end, when the cops are walking back to their cars, like they're getting pushed and spit on, and people are cursing them out. I'm like, what is wrong with you people? Yeah, for what they just saved your freaking lives, and you're and you're 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 bad mouthing them. Yeah, for those what, that don't what know, did they do wrong. For those that don't know, we are referring to Maurice Hill, 34 years old, who was charged with aggravated assault, assault of law enforcement officers, and of course, recklessly endangering another person. And this is what went on out there in Philadelphia. And of course, he was, he hold himself, he basically held himself up in a North Philadelphia building uh, yep, during I the shoot right? for eight hours. Yeah. I'm not sure how long it was, but goddamn, it was eight hours, huh? I think so. It might have been longer, but I think it was eight hours. My whole point is that, you know, the, the cops didn't do anything to anybody bad. They took this guy down. He's the one that started firing at them. Um, and, like, I, like I couldn't believe it. Like, the cops are walking away, and the, the crowd is, like, pushing them and, and, and swearing at them. And I'm like, why? What, what did these guys do to offend you? I, I, I'm, I'm, that's why I got to take a break, man. I, I got to get away from the news. I can't listen to it anymore because the whole world is going retarded. 
they went insane. Most people, I agree. Most people have gone off, gone off the edge. It, it, I'm, I'm, I'm really sad to say I've never thought I'd live my life to see such chaos and discombobulation with the American public. I, I, we've got so many other more things to worry about. And instead, everybody's bitching that Donald Trump it, it works for the Russians. Oh, my God, he's done more for this country than any administration since 1977. How how could he be doing that much wrong? The polls say that uh, Joe Biden will perhaps overtake uh, Trump's seat there. I'm not exactly There's sure no how. way that's going to happen. None. Yeah, I'm not exactly how sure, ac- well, how accurate those polls are, to be honest with you. Hmm. We learned that the last the, time. The media is in is in the corner of the left, leftists. Um, and, you know, they're, well, that can't be denied anymore. I mean, Mike, it's very true. The media does favor the left very much. And it is kind of um, wild to see this sort of a uh, biasness that goes on. Uh, all, it makes me really feel like all American television networks out there, they're all, it's just all propaganda. It's all bullshit, to be honest with you. I feel, I feel like, you know, I never thought I'd say this to you because I never liked them before. But now I feel like RT is actually the only credible source nowadays. I never thought I'd say R- that. I never R- thought R- I'd say that. What? It's a Russian news organization. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I never liked yeah, it, but I, to I be honest with you. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, they do it, RT. Do they do it in English or is it all Russian? I've no, no, no. It, it's English. They, they have a, a lot of uh, Americans and different people from around the world. And to be honest with you, I've been watching RT for a while now and they've been pretty solid. A lot more credible than what we have here in America, that's for sure. Well, you know, you know, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't there a an awards uh, thing that takes place every year or every so often that gives awards to anchormen and anchorwomen in the news uh, business? So in other words, these guys are working for Emmys or whatever you call them, Academy Awards. It's possible. News. I always thought there was some sort of a, well, you know, we this year, the anchor of the year goes to, you know, Josh Howell of Eyewitness News. Um, <laughs> I'm <laughs> sure something. I'm it, yeah, I'm, I'm sure something. positive they used to have some sort of an award ceremony right. to see who was the best and who was the best sportscaster and who uh, did the weather best with, you know, with their boobs hanging out. So I, 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 when it comes down to it, it's almost like these people are actors. It, it appears that way, yes. You know, a lot of think them about it. I mean, they're 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 reporting the so-called reporting the news, but it's all about how they present it. It's all about ratings. We got to right. get ratings, you know. We got to be the best news company. So it, to me, it's all bullshit. Yeah, that's why I don't bullshit, like. Like you just said, that's why I don't like any of the anchors and on any uh, news network. They're all phonies. Yep. Every single one of them. You can name any network now, and I can tell you right now, they're just hacks. You're absolutely right, and 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 I'm I'm tired of I'm tired of hearing the same old stupid ass story, the same old conspiracy theory, and name calling, and oh god, it's like it's like kids, don't make me flick the lights on and off. Everybody, just shut up, you know, <laughs> shut up, 
Could you imagine how much more this country would work if we all worked together? But no, it's again, like I said, they're still after what's it, two and a half years, they're still trying to pin Russia on the president. They're still calling him a Nazi, Hitler, racist. I'm sorry, but the things he says are no more than what I would say, and I'm not a fucking racist. Excuse me, I just swore. That's okay. Yeah, I don't think I don't think you've ever. Well, I don't think I've ever personally thought of you as a, a quote unquote racist. That's for sure. No, I mean, if I was a racist, there's a lot of people I I wouldn't know or talk to. I mean, Jeff's black. He's in my band. Him and I lived together for a number of years. Um, Are you yeah, sure would be talking to me? That's for sure. I'm of mixed race, and for some people, I'm I'm part of that problem. <laughs> that's, that's the thing, you know, it, it's, race is not just about white against black or black against white, vice versa, whatever. True. I mean, and I've told you, I was a victim of, of, a, of a racial attack. I, I got my front teeth knocked out. That's true. For being white. And what did I do? Nothing. I was a politically correct liberal for six, 26 years. And, and what did it get me? Got my front teeth knocked out because I was white. Nobody did shit for me. Well, I didn't see any protests going out for me. Well, that's true, Mike. But then again, it, you weren't it, out there, you know, you weren't out there crying about it, though. Right. And and again, this goes back to the whole social media thing, gathering people online. Let's meet here. Let's cause trouble here. And that that's that's how it's getting out of control. And by the way, Mike, you do you think you were a victim of racism? Was I? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm asking you. Wait, what was the question? Do I think I was a, a, a victim of racism? Correct, because I remember you telling me the story where a couple of black oh, yeah, no gentlemen doubt. beat you up, no right? No I, I got beat up by three black guys who beat me up simply because I was white and in their neighborhood. Simply because you were white. Is is that what that's, you, you think so? Said. You didn't say anything to these individuals? Nope. I parked my car. I got out of my car and I was going to where I had to go. I parked on the street where these three guys were hanging out and I got out of my car. I was going to deliver. I had a package I had to deliver to. Uh, this is when I was working on my film back in, oh my goodness, 2012. So this was back in NYC, correct? No, in New Jersey. Oh, in New Jersey. In Patterson, okay. New Jersey. My old hometown. So I'm, I'm, I get out of my car and I'm walking away. Like in, in 10 seconds, this all happened. These guys started calling me like fag, uh, what else? Uh, white boy, cracker, all, every name in the book. Cornbread. Dracula. And, after, and I'm just walking. I'm walking away, minding my own business. And right. finally, like after a couple of seconds, I just stopped. And I turned around like, do I know you? I mean, what's the problem? What did I do? And they come over to me. They surrounded me up against. I had my back up against the car, and they got they they got in my face. So I told the guys, "Back up, man! You're in my space. Please, you know, I didn't do anything. I don't know you. What do you want?" And they then they they taunted me. They were trying to like you know they were like faking me like they were going to hit me. Oh wow! And like, what you going to do? What you going to do? And so I just they got really close, and I punched one of them. And when I did that, all three of them came at me and knocked my front teeth out. God damn. Mm-hmm. That sucks. So you know that that I mean I didn't start anything. I didn't do anything. Don't don't tell me that I was wrong for hitting them. The guys were in my face. They were in my personal space. I asked, please get back. You know, this is uncomfortable. I don't know you. I didn't do anything to you. Why are you calling me these names? It was it was all to start trouble. I see three against one. And mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, man. I was born and raised in Patterson. I have had this sort of thing happen to me a hundred times from when I was in grammar school. 
I know what went down. So don't, I don't want some fucking prissy snowflake asshole from another, you know, rich town telling me, well, you know, you weren't, you weren't being nice to their needs or, uh, you know, you got to understand they were suppressed. Fuck you, suppressed. I was suppressed at that moment. So I don't want anybody telling me that I was at fault because I wasn't. I did nothing wrong. These people called me every name in the book. I did nothing wrong, and I stood my ground. It's as simple as that. But I stood my ground against three people, and one of them knocked my teeth out. Understood. And Mike, have you had any sort of other sort of uh, conflict with any other race uh, throughout the years? No, I don't have a problem with anybody. I really don't. The only thing I don't like, and you know this, is religion. I, I, I have a problem with uh, the Muslim religion, the Christian religion, and the Ju- the Jewish religion. Um, oy vey. Like, oy vey, Mike. What? Oh, I'm just saying oy vey, which is, you know, a, a sediment. Yeah, I know what it is. <laughs> well, what did I, what? Did I say something wrong? <laughs> no, I just like saying that. I, you know, I have uh, some oh, Jewish, okay. I, I got the Jewish listeners out there. I like to make them happy sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 da. We love them. We got to love the Jews here. Uh, but but yes, Mike, actually, you know, I, I've actually uh, came across a few different issues with with people that were, well, I wouldn't exactly say they were racist, but, you know, as a kid, I did have a, a run in with uh, two black brothers. And, Recently? you know, no, no, this was when I was a kid. Oh, oh OK. Yeah, I might have been nine, ten years old. And, you know, I had to fight one of the brothers and the other brother was a lot cooler one of the other, the younger brother, he was a bit of a prick. The older black brother, he was much more, much more nicer. Uh, but yeah, I, I do remember growing up with, with a few people like that. And, uh, you know, I was kicked in the mouth one time, uh, by, uh, uh, by a young, uh, a younger black kid one time. And of course, me, yeah, and, me, me, too. me and him got into it, of course. And, uh, you know, later on, I never really had any issues with any of the, uh, with any of the brothers, you know, we were always tight. You know, I like the, uh, I like the black people out there. You know, they've always been very, very nice to me, very supportive of the program as well. And, you know, black people come up to me more than any other, uh, ethnic group, I guess you could say, uh, than any other. You know, they've been super cool with me. I have no issues at all, uh, with, with my black brothers and sisters out there. Gotta be, gotta be honest with you, Mike. But later on in life, I did run into a few other people that did have issues with me. There was one individual out there and, um, I believe it might have been uh, San Diego, uh, a redhead, by the way, Mike, you know, one of those people that have no souls. Um, <laughs> you know, I was out there in San Diego many, many moons back and I was at a friend's apartment complex and I had accidentally locked myself out when I went to my car and I didn't have the key to the uh, gate there. And this redhead guy with like a mushroom style haircut, uh, you know, he was wearing red wings so, you know, he might have been a little bit racist. I'm not quite sure. But, you know, he he looks at me and smiles. And, you know, I ask him if he could open the gate for me. And he goes, I'll open the gate for you as long as you don't steal anything. And, you know, I kind of smiled and laughed. And I just thought, what a prick. But, you know, again, I do appreciate the humor. Not going to lie. But I could see how some people could get really offended by the, by those sort of comments. You're not going to offend me, though. Oh, did I lose you, Mike? Oh, no, we might have lost Mike here. Oh no, did we lose Mike? Bummer, we might have lost them. Just when things were getting fun. I guess we will. Uh, Red Wing shoes are racist. Uh, no, Terry, they're, they're not exactly a racist at all. 
Uh, but many individuals out here, uh, you know, if they were of that sort of uh, cloth, they would be rocking the Red Wings at times. That's not universal. I was just speaking about a, you know, regional sort of thing. And of course, it seems like Mike might have uh, vanished there. But don't worry, we'll get him back on. I guess I have to dial him back up here. Yes, he's asking me to um, call him back. So I guess we'll call him back here, folks. Yes, bear with me here. Got to type his number in here. Just when things were going fun. And, oh, yeah, there's his number there. And we will give Mike a call back here. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, don't worry. I apologize. Let's see. Ring, ring, ring. Let's give him a call here. Hopefully, he answers. And I know he will. Oh, yes. Ringing and ringing. And there he is. Uh, there you are. What's Hello. going on, Mike? I don't know what happened, dude. I lost you. <laughs> I don't know. I was cracking up. And, and all of a sudden, I lost you. <laughs> yeah, I was just telling the story of the um, redhead guy who was, um, you know, he joked around. I, I think he was joking. You know, he told me he would open the gate as long as I don't steal anything. <laughs> I, you know, I wasn't offended at the time, but again, I could, I could definitely tell, you know, if it was someone else, they, they would probably get offended by something like that. I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, what I was going to say before we got cut off is, yeah, I go ahead. Clear with people. I'm not a bigot. I'm, I'm really oh, not. Oh, I know you're not. Yeah, it's okay. But when I, you know, it, the, 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 the big thing that bothers me is religion. And, and I have said in the past, I have said I've got a real problem with Muslims. I'm not saying I have a real problem with Arabs. I mean, Muslims are people who follow a religion, True. like Christians. So it's the same as me saying I don't like Christians. And it's nothing personal. It's just I don't like what Christianity stands for. I don't like what, what Islam stands for. I don't like what Judaism stands for. They're all elitist ideas about something that they cannot prove exists. Again, blind faith. So these these are the issues because now you've got people who have – they fight wars over it. They kill – they'll murder you over God. This is the issue. You know, like, like, where do morals stop? Where, where is the limit when you're told yeah. you can't do this? It's a good question. That, it's a very right? good question. So it's all about religion. I got nothing against Arabs. I don't. I've known Arabs. I've, I, I knew a, an Egyptian girl and a Syrian girl and an Afghanistan girl, all of which throughout my life who were atheists. They didn't have any problems with religion. Therefore, that person and I got along. Yes. And for the so, most part, they're, they're great people. Right. Again, it's not about, for me, it's not about skin color or ethnicity. It's about, you know, you want to be an asshole? Then you're an asshole, period. Mm -hmm. That's it. And no matter what name I call you, nobody's going to tell me what I can. I don't need the thought police telling me what I can and can't say word-wise. Yeah, that's you know? what worries me the most, however, uh, Mike, especially today and the Internet and the way certain uh, just the simple fact that corporations have become bigger than government now, they are the ones that dictate what is, uh, what is morally accepted, I should say, and what isn't. They are the right. arbiters of truth nowadays, especially the, uh, what you were mentioning er earlier, the social media society that we live in. They are the ones who dictate what's right and what's wrong. And that's, you know, who, who are they? Who are they? Right? Exactly. Like, how, how, how do they get to make that choice? And if I don't agree with something, where do I protest? No, you can. You're deemed dangerous, Mike. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's, it's, I don't know. It, it comes down to the fact that I feel 
very insulted about a lot of things that are being said by certain uh, groups of people who are saying, well, you know, you're a racist or you're this because you're white. That That's wrong. It's that's just as wrong as the thing I just heard recently. Now they want to they want to ban you know the little white stick figure that shows up on a uh, a street light when it says it's safe to cross. They want to ban that. They want to ban that because he's white. Oh my goodness, are you serious? I mean, it, it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> end. It doesn't end. Wow. Like that, get over much. it, man. Yeah, that's uh that's going a little too overboard. You know, and I, I'm sorry, but even even taking down these civil war statues and um, so what it it happened you can't change the fact don't try to change history those people it, it, you know what and, and this brings me to another another thing just because certain people think it's all right to love everybody and that everything should be groovy like utopia doesn't mean that i need to agree with it that's and true not everybody likes everybody you know that's just the way it is it doesn't make me a bad person that's I'm a true. good person. I mean, there's people you know? that, you know, there's people that we work with that we have to sort of get along with, even though we uh, despise them. Yeah. Unfortunately. And, and, you know, you might not like them, but you do what you got to do. Exactly. Isn't that, that? That's that's why this whole thing with the social media is a problem, because years ago when we didn't have social media, cell phones, uh, Internet, Facebook, we didn't it, like people had their opinions, but nine times out of ten they kept them to them to themselves, and they they dealt with things accordingly. Uh, you know, my mother and father were mostly Republicans, but we had friends that were Democrats. You didn't see my mother and father bitching and complaining, or vice versa. Uh, you know, just because of their political stance. Yeah, you nowadays it's just, it. yeah, nowadays it's it's just such a polarizing thing nowadays. Unfortunately. Right. Yes, and uh, by the way, Mike, I know we talk about all sorts of things, but, you know, one thing that I'm still confused about, and this will drive some humor into the conversation, you know, the, all these uh, teachers who have sex with their students. Uh, What's going on there, why Mike? Was that, why was that never me? How come that never happened to me? <laughs> did, did you have a hideous, um, no pun intended, did you have any hideous um, PE teachers, too? Uh, grammar school. Uh, what was her name? Oh, I had some goodness. real butch-looking ones, my friend. <laughs> I, I can't remember her name, but she was a short, heavy woman, and there was no doubt about it. She was she was digging, she was digging all the young girls in their little little shirts. Oh, she was nice. Though. She was a nice lady. She didn't do anything. Wrong, I did. I know? did have one uh, physical ed teacher who was actually very, very, very good-looking. And uh, she was actually married to a baseball player or a former baseball player. Right. Yeah, but that that was only one. That that's a needle in a haystack, though. I, I had when I first went to high school. Uh, I went to a Catholic high school. That's why I'm all screwed up. Oh my gosh! Um, <laughs> there was uh, so the first year, freshman year, my father said to me. Why don't you join the football team so you can make friends? Now, my father, I was always trying to impress my father. I love him dearly. Don't get me wrong. Uh, he's still around. But when I was a kid, I was constantly trying to impress him. him. Yeah. Right. My father was an ox and, and like, you know, went to the Navy. He was a boxer in the Navy. He had his own business. He was the captain on the fire department, captain of the ambulance in Patterson. Uh, your, you know, dad was a, your dad was a bit so, of a hard ass then. 
that's right. Yeah. Yeah. My dad was um, a man's man. So right. freshman year, he tells me, why don't you join the football team so you can make friends? So I'm like, okay. So I joined, and it didn't last more than two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't keep up. I could barely hold the football. I was so small, you know? And um, so yeah, where was I going with this conversation? Um, <laughs> Something about your old man. Oh, no, what happened there? Did we lose Mike? Oh, no, what happened? I'm hearing a loud, um, strange buzzing sound here. Oh, that is coming from his cell phone. I guess we'll call Mike back. And by the way, we do have someone on the line. What's going on, caller? Hello? What's going on? You are live oh, on the air. I must be the strange buzzing sound. No, that was I not. Hear. Oh, it, <laughs> it wasn't you, and that's Star. What's going on, Star? How are you? Oh, pretty good. Uh, I was trying to do Skype, which is a little clearer. I can hear you fine. It's okay. It's all good. I I really want to talk with Mike. I'll call back when he comes back, okay? No, don't worry. It's okay. You could stay here. I'm going to call well, him back right cool. now. Okay. Well, put me on hold and I'll be here. Don't worry. You could hang out here. You could talk to me I while we wait think, for Mike. I just wish that sound quality was better. Hello? Mike, what's going on? I'm all right. Yeah, you're good now. Okay, good. Yeah, I can hear you loud and clear. And by the way, we do have another call for you, or a caller, rather, for you. And a caller, or a star, rather. Go ahead. Hey, Mike. How are you doing, man? Missed you. Hey, how's it going there, star? Nice to hear from you. I've been listening to you, and just everything you've been talking tonight, I want to say this and that, this and that, and yada, yada, yada. Catch me up. Where are you now? Because I gotcha. I mean, I agree with Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I try to. Uh, I try to. I mean, I try to be logical. I, I, I don't. I don't mean to ruffle feathers with people, but I think the world's going crazy right now, and I. I just can't believe how obnoxious it's becoming. But thank you for your. Uh, you know, standing in my corner. I appreciate that very much. Well, sometimes feathers need to be ruffled because once the feathers are ruffled, there's a bit of waking up going on. That's right. Yeah, and I agree with you. I just I don't feel like I'm the person to ruffle them. Um, <laughs> I, I just think that sometimes it's better off I keep my mouth shut, but I can never seem to do that. No, no, I disagree. You're a strong person. You really are. <laughs> And, Thank you. And you have a way of saying so. Sometimes we go, eh, but in the end, you're right. And I don't have that ability. I wish I did. I am pretty much of a weakling. Uh, anytime I stood up for myself, I've been shot down and then I cower. But uh, that's just a personal thing. But when it comes to what's going on in the world... People like you, you stand up and you say, hello, wake up, pay attention. And people get pissed at you for that because they don't want to wake up because it's really uncomfortable for them to wake up. Yeah, yeah, end, I kind of, I kind yeah, of agree exactly. with what you're saying. I, I agree um, with what you're saying. I think Michael would agree with what you're saying. Right. Um, the, the 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 issue here is that not everyone feels that way, and you know you'll you'll go online tomorrow or tonight or today whenever, and at some point you know everybody doing it they're on Facebook, 
and you or your text messages, and you'll get some sort of post or something about somebody saying, "I don't oh, like I, the way I've this already is. gotten hate and been attacked on a certain forum, and uh, it is very depressing. And I already suffer from clinical depression, so that's like a double shot. Which could be fun, but not so much. But anyway, um, uh, forget that. Uh, erase that. Delete that. Um, okay. <laughs> um, exactly. It. Uh, is... I think. I think what you're saying here is just exactly what I'm saying. Is that you know, social media, it, it can take things too far because you 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 know everybody friends people sometimes that they don't know and uh you know just cuz there's an associate of somebody else uh, you know i've had so many people delete me as a friend because they don't like my politics and you know what maybe i should have just kept my mouth shut and no. not typed into uh, social media how I felt about things. And it's probably better off. Because no, First Amendment right. I mean, you're probably saying, I've got a First Amendment right to yada, 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 you. But you have your First Amendment right to say what you feel is right. You're not shouting fire in a theater. Okay? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, no, I'm not. Uh, fake free media is doing kind of the it's kind of the opposite of shouting fire in a theater but in a way the same thing uh, it's really hard to explain unless you understand we get oh, you. never mind that's okay we understand never what you're saying <laughs> i think you understand you know, what it. i'm saying yeah yeah i get it but anyway uh you've got it going on as far as your message uh, there is so much going on right now. It is incredible. I am a senior citizen, and I have experienced a hell of a lot of stuff since. Okay, well, yeah, you've seen a lot of yeah, stuff, Star. I since I've experienced shit since the late forties. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, you've seen a lot of stuff. And by the way, um, Star, I did want to ask you your opinion on the whole latest with uh, one Jeffrey Epstein. What's going on there in your opinion? What were you, what was your reaction once you found out uh, that he was the off? The first thing I thought was um, it's a ploy and it it's a fake death to get him out of there and to hold him quietly so everybody thinks he's dead until everything comes out, and then they're going to throw him out there, and and he's going to say, yeah, this, that, and the other thing. Um, that's my primary feeling, but I have no proof. I just, there are a few people who kind of go along with that, but most of the media and everything is saying he's dead, but it. I mean, if he really is dead, if he was killed, it's a murder. And uh, however we'll it goes, out. the deep state is quivering if it's going to be uh, investigated. It is going to be investigated, no doubt. They will be watching oh, yeah. the surveillance. Oh, yeah. So we will find out but what, what goes just, on. I'm just guessing it's uh, a fake death and he's being kept safe more or less until... It's time for him to come out and... A lot of people believe just, that. A lot of people believe that sort of thing. Uh, Mike, have you heard that sort of thing before? Well, let me tell you, if he shows up after being claimed dead, uh, he's going to end up being in a bus with Janis Joplin, Elvis <laughs> Presley, Jimi Hendrix, Kurt Cobain, 
uh, Jim Morrison, yeah. and I just, and that's I don't bad. know, I, I think that if he's dead, I, I think, um, I don't think they're going to bring him back. I feel you on that one. If he's playing dead, even if he's playing dead, I don't think they're going to bring him back. Um, it's just, I, I just don't see that happening. I, I think, if anything, I think there's, obviously, there's something going on here. Uh, I was also uh, told something that fascinated me, which was that the guards that were on duty were had some association with Clintons. So maybe they killed him. Who knows? Uh -huh. You know what? I got to tell you, though, you know what? I don't care. <laughs> at the end of the day, well, yeah, that's kind of true. The thing don't is, care. We don't really care like at the end of the day. Hiding mystery. <laughs> the guy's a dick. The guy's a, a piece of crap. And right, and now he's, he's what gone. What happened so, to him, whether he's dead or alive. But if alive, he has information he can confirm. And that's the one thing certain people are a little well, concerned yes. about. I, well, that, but well, if that, he's dead, I'm good with that. I agree with you on that one, though. He did have dirt on a lot of people out there, much bigger than himself, I would have to. Yeah. I would have yeah. to sort of logically see at that point, because... Uh, no matter what you do in life, there's always going to be someone who smartens you up uh, for X, Y, and Z or shows you the ropes for X, Y, and Z. Uh, it's universal down the line. Yep. That's just the way life works. So I definitely feel there's someone that's even bigger than one Jeffrey Epstein. And it's very interesting that he ends up being either he killed himself or someone killed him, whatever the scenario. As soon as those documents became public that day. The next day, okay. he was officially gone. Mike Deacon? Yes. Mike Deacon, not Mike Hideous, Mike Deacon. Um, I have heard a couple of videos saying uh, there were from people who were in the hall or the, the whatever the hell it is. <laughs> anyway, heard him scream. Heard him scream, yes. I heard uh, that. A little bit before they went in and found him dead. How true that is, though, oh, I don't wait, know. Wait, wait, wait. Why would he scream with a thing yeah. around his neck? I was going to say, but why would he scream if no one was supposed to be in the cell but him? True. And who would Not only that, that but I've never really heard anybody scream when we're broken. Right. Exactly. But we're not even clear whether he was in his cell alone or someone was with him. Right. Because again, uh, the guards were gone or asleep, or there was some kind of maintenance going on, and no cameras were on, and there is no conclusive evidence that he was in his cell alone at the time of death. Period. Yeah, it's certainly interesting. Yep. And moving right along, I really don't give a damn. Yep, moving along here. <laughs> oh, oh, exactly, Mike. He's dead. Like, that's cool. He's just, another yeah, he's he just, he's dead. And he just need to find he, out. If that's what he did. If that's what he did to young girls, well, now he's he's gone. Now what, he's he, gone. What are they going to do? Well, he's he training before his death. That's way cool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Stara, anything else to add here? No, you can put me on hold. <laughs> no, I just thought you had anything uh, for Mike here. Oh. I love you, Mike Hideous. <clears throat> oh, thank you, Star. You're very kind. I always have. You know that. I didn't, but thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. You're very nice. Oh, yes, you did, you love stinker. <laughs> yeah, you knew it, Mike. I did. I knew it. Yeah, you knew it. <laughs> I have knew it. All right, you Star. You knew it. Thanks for calling okay. in, Star. Thank take care, you. Star. All right, take care. 
And there she goes, ladies and gentlemen, that was one star. And uh, for anyone that wants to call in, uh, here is one of your final chances to do so. That number is 760-332-8724. Uh, don't be shy. If you want to get in here, now is the time to do so since we uh, kind of are winding down here a bit, Mike. Yeah, we are winding. I'm winding down, I'll tell you that much. I know, right? You're winding down for sure. Yeah, here on the East Coast. <clears throat> Jesus, it's late out there yeah. where you're at, Mike. Uh, it's uh, it's two one thirty five. Oh well, that's not too bad. Yeah, it's it's definitely taking its toll on me. I'll tell you that. By the way, what do you think of one Kid Rock? I don't. I, I don't know anything about him. Do you no. remember when he was first breaking in? Um, it, I do, but mostly from my guitar player. Uh, Fred, Freddie Hayes, telling me stories about when uh, he first met Kid Rock. That's all I know. I don't know anything else about the guy, uh, except that I'm just not into his music. Well, look who's afraid of Kid Rock. Who? <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh>, not me. <laughs> do you think Do you I'm think you could take him in a fight, Mike? Kid Rock? No, I yeah. he'd probably kill me. You think You think Kid Rock would beat your ass? I, I I'm not a fighter, dude. I'm a lover. Well, I mean, it's Kid Rock. You know, he's wearing red dickies, for God's sake. I, I don't know. You dude. can't beat him I, up. I Any guy that gets up on stage, takes off his shirt, and, like, wears <laughs> bag pants, it's like he's just, uh, you know, he's a, he's a fighter. My goodness. Uh, I'm asking. I don't know. I'm just screwing around. I really don't know. And frankly, I don't care. Why? What did you want to ask me about Kid Rock? Well, because he's been in some sort of, you know, some sort of um, war of words uh, against uh, Taylor Swift. I just thought that was hilarious. Uh, who cares? <laughs> exactly. That's why it's even Taylor funnier. Swift is another one. Oh, my God. She just. She's, she's a complete one. idiot. She's got something to prove to everybody. Yeah, I just thought it was hilarious to uh, name these people because they're, you know, they're they're kind of irrelevant. So it's it's funny. You know, again, I, you know, I I apologize, Michael. I, I I understand. I mean, you know, we're trying to do subjects here on the radio, and and I I respect that. I appreciate it. You know what? I, as I said, you picked a point to converse with me on the on the show where I am just so fed up. No, but I like, like it though. I'm just so fed up, dude. I'm so fired up. I like of that, everything though. that's going on, and and that's cool. But I'm just, I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe what's happening to the to the country, to the it's world. Gone, it's gone to shit, Mike. That's that's kind of the point of this program, though. Mm-hmm. It's the highlight, and you know, the worst of the worst. I just, I never thought I'd see it get this bad. I never thought I'd see it get this bad. I'm with you on that one. I, I, it's it's pretty ridiculous to hear in uh, almost 2020 now. Isn't that weird to say 2020? Yeah, yeah, we're 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 a short way away, and my goodness, <laughs> I I can't believe like four years are are about to have passed by. Um, you know, by November next year, 2020, it's four years. I, I remember waking up the day uh, President Trump won the election. And now we're almost at the end of the term. It, it's amazing how fast time flies. Time, really does, is. time does fly by. And it's been uh, three years almost here, me doing this program solo now, coming up on October 31st. I can't believe how how fast time went by. Congratulations, Michael. You, you, you've done well. Hey, there's some people that thought I wouldn't do well, which I think is hilarious. Well, it's all within 
yourself, man. It's all you you create your own destiny and and this is obvious something obviously something that you enjoy doing. Oh, I love and it. As I said, as I've said many times in the past, you are destined for good things in this business. And I I I foresee you taking larger steps in the future. I'm trying. Your you're you're going to do well, my friend. You really are. You got the knack. I'm trying. You know, I was trying to get a couple of um, radio gigs out here in California, and, you know, things were looking great until I'm asked what shows I was a part of in the past. And once I do tell them, I get ghosted in emails. Well, then you're not getting the right people. You know why? Because your your gig is unique. I believe so. I, I just think this show is not going to work in California. Possibly not. You I don't know, think so. But – there's there are a thousand other markets out there that you can you just got to try and it's all about getting the right niche at the right moment and don't worry man you just keep doing your thing you're you're gonna it's gonna happen don't worry oh I I've, I I know it there's no quit in me actually you know I feel like I've been uh, destined to do this for such a long time yeah and, and and you have been ultimately since I've I've known you oh yeah you know how I am like I'm not gonna let anyone uh, stop me. No, and and you shouldn't. But that's that's the thing with with business. It's always cutthroat, cutthroat. Very, um, very right. And you you got to fight the fight. It, it's I know that sounds corny, but that's that's what it is. Yeah, that's but that's the truth, man. Is. That is the truth. Yeah. And the lots. I'm not of a good man. I don't think I'm a good businessman. I never was. Um, I, I've tried at several different endeavors, and I never really. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because I lack education, formal education, college education. You know, there were certain things that I did well, and those things were, you know, art. That that was, you know, music, art, writing, uh, photography. I'm good at the arts. I'm not good at, um, you know, creating some sort of a uh, franchise or, or, or a business that does well. I, I I've been I've been suffering all my life financially because I was never good enough to, to be a businessman. And it's just, that's just who I am. Yeah. I hear so. you. I definitely hear you on that one. And my, well, I mean, I don't know if you yeah. want to consider the music being a business, but even that I never really got to where I wanted to with, with the music. Like, you know, hideous never got where I wanted to get. I wanted it to get spy society. Never really got to where I wanted it to get. That had more potential than empire hideous did. Um, you know, and we were so close to getting a record deal, but I don't know. So, there, yeah, it, there's always some sort of an obstacle, which is why I had to get out of music. It was just too complicated. After 20 years, I couldn't do it anymore. I know. I can't believe you've been in it for so long, Mike. Well, I, I haven't really because I did it for 20 years, and for 10 years I took a break. I mean, I was still selling merchandise and, and stuff online, um, but I wasn't playing any gigs until just recently. I have one more gig for this year coming up, and it's in New York City. Oh, when is that? Black Friday. Ah, Black Friday. November 29th. That's cool. Um, yeah. Um, uh, if anybody's interested, I have a, a, fa a Facebook page where you can write in and tell me your political hatred. <laughs> uh, no, actually, <laughs> it's, it's uh, facebook.com slash hideous. Mike and Mike is spelled M Y K E Mike. Uh, so yeah, if you go on there, you can find out what's going on. Um, I also have a website, MikeHideous.com. M Y K E Hideous.com. You can get. Uh, I have new new T-shirts that are up. Um, 
new T-shirt designs. Um, what else? Uh, there's been some new CD releases. Actually, there's two. Actually, I'm sorry. There's is it two? I think so. Uh, there's one one new release uh, from CBGB's in 2003, I think it was. Um, <clears throat> and uh, so that's just been released as a download. And I'm going to be releasing a couple of new acoustic. Uh, actually, no. Uh, what am I talking about? Old old acoustic shows. Um, as downloads on my website. So there you go. Very nice. And of course, Mike, you might not know this, but I do get a lot of emails asking me about some of the intro music that I use. And lots of times they're asking about your song. Where have you been? Oh, from, uh, from spy, Society. from spy society. Yeah. yeah. People love that song here. Uh, it, I like it too. <laughs> I mean, that song really showed your musical talents in my opinion. Wow, that's a compliment right there. Thank no, you. it's true. Yeah, man. I, I did I did that song. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I did that song with uh, Johnny Nickel from uh, Empire Hideous. He's the one who uh, uh, produced, co-produced, and co-played instruments on my last studio album with Empire Hideous called The Time Has Come. So he he actually recorded that song and did some instrumental work excuse me, for me on that song as well. Very nice. And of course, Mike, I do want to thank you for being a part of the program as well as we draw a conclusion here this evening. It's been a fun night. I, I Did you have fun, Mike? Michael, I always have fun when I'm on the show with you. In fact, I always have fun when I talk to you, even if we're not on the show. Amazing. Mike, I definitely want to invite you back on again. And this time, <laughs> and this time, I definitely want to invite you back on when we have a guest. Uh, it's, I think it's always amazing when I have you on here. And uh, the guest is uh, perplex, uh, perplexed by you, Mike. Truly. <laughs> I love it. Well, whatever you need, whatever you need, like a wrench in the in the in the engine, you just give me a call. Hell yes! <laughs> All right, Mike. Well, you know I'm amazing. Gonna, amazing. You know amazing. I'm going to. Yes, that's right. You know I'm going to hold you up to your word, Mike. Okay. Well, you you know where to find me, buddy. All right, my friend, Michael. It, it's been a pleasure, and thank you so much as always. Uh, I love being on your show, and um, I wish you luck in the future with everything you do. We love you here a lot too, Mike. And we'll talk to you again on the other side, my friend. Okay, man. You have a good night. Take care. You too. Mahalo. Ciao. Bye-bye. And there he goes, ladies and gentlemen. That was the one and only Mr. Mike. Uh, hideous. Great guy. And of course, as we take it home here tonight, I do want to thank all of you out there for hanging out with me here tonight. Special thank you to Mike Hideous and of course, the professor. Dr. James Fetzer, that was amazing. Much respect to you in the chat room. Remember, you can get a hold of me during the show or not during the show via Twitter at Michael Deacon. Send me a message there and I'll do my best to respond. Also, thank you to the Fringe FM and Deprogrammed Radio. Next week, I return yet again. And of course, for those that want extra bonus content of the program, please go to michaeldeacon.com or patreon.com forward slash michaeldeacon. You'll find the link there and sign to Patreon. You'll get bonus content there. I know I have not uploaded another new show yet, but I will. I will soon. I promise. Anything does help to keep things rolling here 
behind the scenes, definitely donate to PayPal.